good to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the Daves you know. This is the Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Right, and welcome uh, to episode 232 of the Dave's I Know podcast. Uh, this is our MOS and Minnesota United season preview edition, specifically Minnesota United. Um, but we are going to uh, touch on all the Western Conference teams very briefly. Um, we are looking at a nine-page Google document, so this is going to be a long one. So strap in, strap on, whatever straps you need to do to uh, to enjoy the podcast content. Uh, for those of you... Uh, who are just really want to listen to Minnesota United. Uh, we are going to throw in, I'm going to throw in because who, who the fuck am I kidding? I'm the one who edits it and posts everything. I'm going to throw in timestamps uh, into uh, SoundCloud so that you can skip to uh, whatever specific uh, groups of teams, or if you just want to skip all the Western conference and go right to uh, Minnesota United, um, you can do that as well. So I know it's going to be a long one. It might be a couple hours, <laughs> hopefully not that long, but uh, just so you know, you who drink, go grab some alcohol now. <laughs> Yes, go grab uh, your your thirty pack of hams. You might need about fifteen of those to get through this podcast. I know I certainly will. So, we have uh, a slightly different crew with us today. Um, MJ, how are you doing? How was the broom ball wrapping up? Pretty soon, I would imagine. Huh? Yeah. Uh, well, out, outdoor is 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 wrapped up. Uh, we had our end of the season awards, our sixth annual end, end of the season awards for my co-rec outdoor team, and uh, this year the theme was uh, Mario Kart Wii. So everyone got a Mario Kart character or cart or bike uh, associated with them for things that they did this season. So yeah, that's fun. Cool. You know, the last video game I played and I, I worry about this as a, you know, I have, you know, a three-year-old now and uh, obviously a, a toddler or a, a nine month old and they're going to want to get into video games and stuff. I imagine last video game I played was uh, grand theft auto uh, <laughs> vice city on the PlayStation two. So yeah. um I do own a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo, but the, the, literally the last video game I played. You know what? Um, Here's the thing. For younger kids, I think having fewer buttons is better. They learn it more quickly. And then also it's easier for the parents to play along because it's less complicated. Fair. That's that's what I'm going for. So uh, yeah. we don't have Jess uh, this week. Uh, Jess is out, uh, not feeling well. Um, hopefully she'll be back. I'm sure she'll be back next week, but she knew this was going to be a long podcast. And I really think she just didn't want to hang out with uh, uh, us dudes for two hours. So in her place, um, we got Rob Pedersen. Rob is a uh, current, well, Red Loon, uh, former Minnesota uh, resident, moved out to the Seattle-ish area last year right uh yeah the end is the end of 2020 end of 2020 uh, yeah. yeah so um uh, yeah so rob's a super awesome dude uh like i said red, oh. red loon um former uh he was the isc rep for the red loons um now i am the isc rep for the red loon so rob um why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself obviously you are a minnesota united fan in spite of living in seattle um right. tell us a little bit about you know how you got into minnesota united got maybe got into soccer generally Sure. Uh, I mean, I played as a kid. I think that's like a pretty common story with a lot of people um, of our age range. 
Uh, I'm from California originally, moved to Minnesota, didn't have a sports, yeah, big, big sports guy. You know, I liked sports generally and uh, didn't have a soccer team. I remember going to Quakes games or Clash games back then, um, but it didn't really grab me till moved to Minnesota, started going to matches up at NSC. Um, wasn't really involved in the supporter culture very much. Didn't really know a lot of people until I think it was the year that they moved to MLS. Uh, that first season, and then I started getting involved. Joined, um, was about to join the Dark Clouds, and then learned of the Red Loons. It was like, oh, okay, yes, this is yes. Uh, and then just slowly but surely wedged my way into some role of slight importance. Um, yeah, and then as you said, I was the ISC rep for a few years. Um, you know, when we joined the ISC, and then. Uh, up until this last conference in Portland um, was my sort of swan song to hand over the reins to you. Uh, and I still, you know, tacitly involved and still know and trying to pull strings from behind the scenes now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's uh, great. Um, Rob is also a huge fantasy baseball dork like I am. We've oh, yeah. had m many a conversation about fantasy baseball. So if you have uh, any fantasy baseball questions in the future, um, you know, you can oh. shoot them to me or we can shoot them to Rob. So, um, <laughs> Rob, what's before before we get to the end, um, what's your Twitter handle in case people want to they listen to your dulcet tones and they want to follow you on, on Twitter? Oh, sure. Uh, Robble Rouser um, is my main Twitter handle. Um, Rabble Rouser, but with an O instead of an A because I'm clever. Uh, <laughs> and then I also run the Red Loons West Twitter account, which is the unofficial uh, West Coast Red Loons uh, Twitter account. I don't really do a lot with, but yeah, Robble Rouser mostly. Cool. Rob is also a fellow Everton fan and fellow oh. Union Berlin fan. I got bad yeah. news for you, MJ. I'm going to break your heart. Uh, I am completely off of Everton. I'm, I'm, I'm almost <laughs> completely off of English soccer. Like, no, that's fine. That's fine. It's just, it's, it's. Nominally, yes, I'm an Everton supporter, but I. My allegiances have shifted almost entirely to uh, Union Berlin and the Bundesliga. They, they are more uh, organized and put together, and I don't know. There's, they're, I like their coach a lot. So yeah, hey, he just had his birthday. Yeah, <laughs> but ever right, since well, we lost Max Kruse, and there's, yeah, I'm sure we'll get into it. Maybe. Yeah, we'll get we'll get to it. We'll get to it at the very, very end. So if you want uh, Union Berlin talk and Everton talk, uh, I am outnumbered, unfortunately, here. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. I, I can always mute people. So it's, that is my that's my power. That the Merseyside Blues outnumber Merseyside Reds on the spot. Yes, very rare. So, all right. I'll give you a half. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about, but let's talk about some Minnesota United stuff that happened uh, over the course of the last week. Um, Let's start with the jersey release. Uh, came out on uh, Friday. The I think they're calling it the night jersey. Um, Minnesota, you know, te teased it a bunch uh, with the black and blue. Finally, for the first time in MLS, we actually have a black and blue jersey, uh, which is you know fine, great. We can finally fucking sing that song and not be ironic, um, which is nice. Uh, you know, my first impression of it was you know, meh. I was whelmed. I wasn't overwhelmed or underwhelmed. Um, it's not great. 
it's definitely not terrible. There are some terrible kits that uh, MLS put out this year. Um, I'm thinking of that uh, uh, spicy Doritos uh, New York City FC kit that was that was put out. Um, the kit's okay. It's just it's just okay, which is, I mean, it's fine. You know, we don't. I've given up, and and I think people get all worked up on about the kits, particularly people who um, are just want to. They'll suck this club's dick on no matter what they do. Like they, this club can literally do no wrong. And I think the thing to, to keep, that I keep that like I've become I've become actually weirdly enough in this offseason pretty zen about this club. Now we'll see how long that lasts. Wow. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> I've just I just there's things I can control and there's things I can't control. I can control not getting into Twitter fights with dumb motherfuckers. Um, I can't control uh, that last. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, again, so far, so good. Someone tried to draw me into a fight last night about uh, trying to play a three, five, two and trying to explain to me that Fragapane and Lude would actually track back. And I was just like, you're a fucking idiot. I'm not engaging with you anymore. So um, that's neither here nor there. The it's, kit is fine. Yeah, it's fine. Said- it, I, I, I put on Twitter before the kit was released. I think it was like around noon on Friday. It was basically like, you know what? I'm totally fine with a just an average kit because I want to save my money for that Minnesota Aurora kit, which is going to be fucking fire. So right. I don't need this. Is uh, yeah. Once you saw it, once I saw it in person, I'm a, I'm a little more. I'm you know if I, if I was like 50, basically fifty fifty on it, I'm probably more like fifty five forty five like liking it versus not liking it. But that's like that's not enough for me to spend any money on either replica or I like I don't like to get the replicas. I like the authentic jersey, and it's like one hundred and fifty dollars with like. Right you know, name and number and stuff. So I, it's just not, not going to spin the wheel for me. So I'll say this, the only, I mean, it's fine. You know, MLS and Adidas have set the bar so low that like, as long as it's not actively offensive, then cool. Uh, I'm happy with it. I think it is a huge, and I think I'm not breaking any new ground here. I think this has been said on Twitter quite a bit lately, but like they missed a huge opportunity. If you're ever going to use, the red target logo like this was the one to do it with um i did i so, said that but, on twitter too i was basically like why this is the right. time you need like if you want to do it yeah and then maybe yeah, mj maybe have in the center in the bullseye of the red target you know the shape of a lunai or something like that you know maybe a little black outline of, of, of the lunai or something like that targets targets not going to do anything like that but i i, I understand like i appreciate the creativity because that would have been creative and all right sense. the target would never allow that but yeah, it really any, wouldn't. my thought is other than this trend of having these really cool details, let's say like pinstripes that you won't be able to see from the TV and you won't be able to see from like most parts of Allianz field, unless you're in the lower level close to the pitch and you can really see it or someone near you is wearing one. Right. That's my only rant is there is this tendency, whether it's uh, Adidas or MLS in general, where you have these really cool design ideas, but they aren't with the TV audience in mind. And not that I liked the big vertical uh, gray on gray stripe thing that we had that was visible. That was atrocious. But I do think more thought needs to be put into, hey, this looks cool. Uh, Will it look cool? you know, on, on TV. I like that it's black. I wish there were more blue on it or, you know, less black and white, black and gray, a little more black and blue, but whatever. I, the, the bar, as Rob said, the bar has been set so low by previous kits. This wasn't bad. I'm like, 
Is it something different? Yeah, it's black. We don't have a black kit. Is it? Does it not suck? Yes. My two checkboxes are there. Am I going to buy it? No. But yeah. Um, and I will say I've, I've seen it in person. It, it looks a lot better in person. Obviously, like that river kit looked good in person, but it's like I mean, if you don't have it and you can't see it on this on the screen, what the fuck does it even matter? So, anyways, uh, all right. RSL, so Minnesota played two preseason matches, uh, their last two matches of the season, or the preseason before uh, kickoff on Saturday. Uh, they played RSL. This is on the Portland Timber Tournament, Portland Timber Invitational. Uh, RSL 0 0. Trapper Beef Jerky. Yeah, right. I, was, I forgot <laughs> about that. Um, RSL 0 Loon 0. This, the less said about this game, the better. This was a, an atrocious game to watch on a Wednesday night. So, um, yeah, fuck that game. However, we did, play a, we, uh, we did play a decent game. Uh, on Sunday, or sorry, Saturday, uh, Viking uh, FK two Viking. loons to Viking. Viking. Viking, Viking, sorry, Viking. Uh, Rob, um, as our West Coast correspondent, uh, was out was in Portland for this match. He was actually out for the previous match on Sunday against Portland as well. Um, correct, Rob. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And I, was, then, uh, I went. He, yeah, and then he he took the train down and went to the game. So we have actually some um, you know live in person um, analysis from this game. So Rob, take it away. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how good of analysis this will really be. I live streamed the second half, um, so you're welcome, and I'm sorry to anybody who uh, caught that on Instagram. Uh, I don't know. It was it was generally it was you know it was a fine match. Um, it felt like the first half, especially, there wasn't that connection. The same thing that happened in I don't I wasn't able to see any of the RSL match, but. Uh, being there for the match against the Timbers the last Sunday. There's like a lot of opportunities, a lot of, you know, one touch away from, um, from a good finish or, you know, the through ball. It, was, it, it felt a lot of the same for the first about 70 minutes of this. It was the same way. Um, it took, you know, it was, it was some good run of play. Uh, there were some good balls back and forth. Um, Emery, what, it, there was like a, a, a real pronounced shift once Emeria and Bongi came on. Um, and especially Bongi on the left side, um, anytime the, the defender in front of him or midfielder had the ball on the other team, he was all over him, tenacious. It was, it was really good to see that sort of pressure. And he won the ball back quite a few times. Um, he was not the main assist getter, but he, he was in on the second goal, the Robin load lewd goal. Um, and was just, you know, generally all over the place. It was really exciting to see him and Amaria and load and, uh, and Reynoso like all work together. It felt like there's something there. If the four of them can regularly be on the field together and then who knew came on or did he come on or, um, now I'm second guessing myself. You know, he was, it all looked good. It started to look good. The defense is still leaky. Um, it seemed like from where I was sitting that the, the second goal that Viking scored, um, DSC probably should have been able to save, but also maybe let down a little bit by Coleman um, blowing coverage. And yeah, it was a good game. Um, it was nice to see them finally score goals and, and get some finishes. Did Bongo Kuche then play basically as a left wing? Did he come in on for Fragapane? Yeah, I, I don't. I'm not sure if he actually. I know that Fraga subbed out, 
it was at the same time so you know whoever yeah. came in for who um but yeah that's what it felt like from where we were sitting that he was he you know stayed out on the wing on the left sounds cool. like a great person to come off the bench you know and you know sure. press some some tired people you know in the second half or you know whatever that sounds awesome oh absolutely and i mean i will say on maybe a more negative side uh just a lot of maybe what we were used to uh from Dunlady. i i just just wasn't wasn't clicking wasn't connecting had some good runs but just couldn't quite didn't feel like he was in the flow of it um so uh, you know something to keep an eye on uh cool well we were the only team that got a point from viking in the in the tournament they beat rsl in portland uh we finished the preseason uh with one win three draws and a loss uh seven goals scored which you're probably thinking yeah that's a that's awesome that's great you know or that's not great, but it's better than, you know, what we we're doing at the end of last year. Um, more importantly, though, I, I will just point out that we only scored goals in two matches in that uh, uh, five possible preseason matches. Uh, as you mentioned, Amaria scored, Robin Lude, uh, Emmanuel Reynoso, that banger of a goal in, or- in Orlando, uh, Dunlady, Will Trapp, Jacory Hayes, and uh, trialist Emmanuel Iwe, also down in Orlando. So we have some really good attackers. Um, we do not have very good finishers. And so... That will be the uh, and and maybe Amaria changes that right. I mean that guy came in, you know, practice on on Friday, played on Saturday, and scored a goal. So in twenty what twenty five minutes of of game time. So um, maybe that'll change. We'll talk a little bit about that as we get closer when we get to the Minnesota United part of the podcast. Uh, other quick Minnesota adjacent news: Miguel Abara officially uh, becomes a member of the Tacoma Stars, um, a major arena soccer league team up there in uh, the state of Washington. And uh, he played his first match on Saturday. About half an hour from us uh, down in Tacoma. I, I intend on going and maybe I'll make a, a, a Batman two-pole for him. There you go. Yeah. Uh, he had an assist in the game and uh, a blue card, which is a, a two-minute penalty. Um, so in hockey, like, like in hockey, so they don't uh, – do they do yellow and red cards in arena soccer? I don't even know. I am not sure. I guess we need to bone up on arena soccer um, for, for the podcast <laughs> or not. He will be. Same... Go ahead. Sorry. Right. So he will be um, likely. I didn't actually look at the schedule, but Milwaukee wave is in the same league, the NASL. Uh, so if you want to go see Miguel, ah. take a trip down to Milwaukee. All right. A road trip to Milwaukee. Huh? Cool. Uh, all right, finally, before we take a break, Minnesota Aurora um, have been signing players left and right. Um, I, they signed a bunch of players, la- or signed at least a few players last week, and we didn't even mention them. Um, but uh, we did actually run down. Uh, MJ was dutiful enough to um, track down all the players that they've signed so far. Um, MJ, just uh, tell us a little bit about these players. I mean, I know we don't probably have a ton of information. That, I'm not going to run down all of them. In, in fact, all the ones that we signed last week, I'm skipping, except Megan Turner from Minnesota, played at Minnesota Thunder Academy, played most recently at DePaul University. And for those that don't know, Aaron Chastain, the current coach of the Gophers, was the coach at DePaul. So I can only imagine getting some scouting intel from the local college coach here in town. I'm really excited about Megan Turner, uh, hope she, hoping she can score some goals because that's what she did in the NCAA. Uh, new this week, signed 
Center back Megan Dahl from Bemidji State, also a former uh, Minnesota Thunder Academy from Rosemount, Minnesota. Goalkeeper Olivia uh, Groutman from St. Thomas University, it's, and also Minnesota Thunder Academy from Excelsior. It's it's the University of St. Thomas, MJ. They they get right. pissy. UST that. University of St. Thomas. <laughs> UST, yes. Sorry, but, I know because I went there. So, thanks for the correction. <laughs> and uh, uh, forward mine Hans- Hanson from Savage and defender Rachel Preston from Lakeville, both coming from the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Those are two cities. And then forward Jill Bennett from Utah Tech, uh, grew up in Salt Lake City, and Shelby Hapo from uh, Metropolitan State in Denver. Uh, she is from Hawaii. She has a, she, this. She actually will start playing her college career in Denver. Right, this, right. She's in 20, 22 the fall. Yeah, she's yeah, she's like 18, 17 or 18. So cool. Um, all right. Well, we will try to do our best. If you want to know more about Minnesota Aurora and, and actually uh, equal time soccer is, is the place to go for all of their they have the the lock on, um, you know, upper Midwest uh, women's soccer Great interviews. Um, they do Matt Pravatsky, who's also a co-owner of Aurora, but his brother, Mark, um, they have a couple other uh, really awesome people who do a lot of great reporting on college uh, collegiate soccer, uh, as well as WPSL and now Minnesota Aurora. So um, they have a podcast, they have a website, Equal Time Soccer. Um, if you Google that, you should be able to find it. So, all right, let's take a break. And then we'll, when we come back, we will jump into our uh, MOS previews. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want to be who you like me to but we both know i can't do nothing at all oh, yeah. all right and we are back with uh our mos previews we uh decided to do someone similar to what we did last year we're not gonna spend a ton of time on each of these teams probably more time on certain teams who are actually good and less team less time on teams that suck and are probably gonna suck again this year so uh, if you want to skip ahead, like I said, we'll have timestamps on, uh, the two breaks here. We're gonna take a break halfway through the Western conference. Uh, and then, uh, we'll do the second half of the Western conference, uh, before we take another break and then we'll do Minnesota United. So that's kind of how the previews will work out. Let's kick it off with, uh, the worst team in the Western conference, in the Western conference last year, the Houston dynamo last year, they finished with, uh, six wins, 12 draws and 16 losses for a, a whopping 30 points finishing in 13th place. Um, they play the loons uh, away. Um, we play them uh, them in Houston on the 23rd and home against uh, on the 27th of August. So 23rd of July away. So very hot down in Houston and then home here on the 27th of August. So and sadly, Dylan Wolper's birthday is in June. So, uh, you know, unless we get an open cup game against them in June, which is a very real possibility. So yeah, and it's our but... birthday now, Dylan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So some interesting moves for Houston. Uh, Paulo Nagamura was hired as the manager. He's the former SKC2 manager. Um, so he played in Peter Vermees' system. Obviously, he didn't have a ton of leeway as the SKC2 manager. They really want to play the same way from their you know second division team, you know second team up to the first team. Um, they brought in Sebastian Ferreira from Libertad. Uh, Libertad, sorry, Libertad. Uh, Four point three million dollar signing. He's a number nine. Uh, he's been the Paraguayan Golden Boot winner two years running. Uh, they also brought in Steve Clark, uh, the former Portland goalkeeper. And Maynard Figueroa is finally, finally gone. Um, <laughs> that, dude, 
I think is the only guy who in the league who was older than I was. And so um, I am now, I think, older than every single person in the league. So that is Houston. There's not much to say. I think they're going to be a, a terrible, terrible team again this year. Although, you know, bringing in a, a, a sporting Kansas city, um, you know, manager probably is a good sign in terms of like trying to get your shit in order, but who knows? It's, it's Houston. So they also picked up defender, Daniel stairs from LA galaxy who, I mean, he's 31. You want to try to shore up your defense with MLS experienced defenders, but LA galaxy's defense was atrocious last year. I was gonna say vaunted defense, LA galaxy. So, <laughs> so, and, and then they picked up a, a, a fullback from Brazil, uh, Zeka, who plays for Vasco da Gama. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on. Unless Rob, you have anything you want to add about Houston? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Uh, so from a shitty, shitty team to an actual uh, good team, um, although there's been some news that, you know, maybe won't make it. So Sporting Kansas City, 17-7-10 uh, and 10 last year, fifty-eight, good for 58 points. Uh, they finished in third. Uh, third place, uh, they crashed out in the playoffs. Um, they play the Loons. Uh, we play them here uh, July 13th and then away in Kansas City on the 17th of September. Um, interesting stuff from Sporting Kansas City. Obviously, the big news was they lost Alan Polito for the season, uh, season-ending knee surgery. Um, there was not really any ex- explanation as for when he acquired that injury um, or why they waited so late in the offseason. But they haven't really picked up anybody to replace him, unfortunately. Um, they sold Gianluca Busio, uh, Ily Sanchez, uh, who has been a thorn in Minnesota, uh, Minnesota side for several years, uh, had his option decline. They did bring in a cornerback, uh, center back Robert Vol- uh, Volder, uh, who's a youth, a German youth international. Um, he's only twenty, so he's young. They have a Graham Zussi still there, so he's obviously you know an uh, important piece for Sporting Kansas City. But they're going to have an almost entirely new back line, uh, with the exception of, of Zussi. So. They'll be interesting this year. I think a lot of people have them pegged as one of the two best teams, but you know, losing Polito is, and, and they had a hard time scoring anyways. Um, losing Polito is, is not, uh, not helpful. Also, Busio and Sanchez make up their two best number six uh, defensive. So they're changing out their back line and their best two defensive mids. I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, they let go uh, Roberto, Roberto Punchek, who he's, was their Croatian center back who I really liked, but was, I will also agree was very inconsistent. So he's now uh, playing in the Bulgarian league. But speaking of Ilya Sanchez, former Barcelona player, you know who picked him up? LAFC. Ah, there you go. (laughs) LAFC picked up Ilya Sanchez. So that's an interesting twist. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Um, it's a lot of turnover and losing a guy like Polito. I mean, they're, they're still going to be good, you know, as long as Peter Vermees is a wizard. Uh, so, you know, they'll still be good, but it's, I think it's going to be a step back for them this season. I think that's the thing is like you have Peter Vermees and, and like that is maybe more important than any signing. That guy is very consistent. Uh, these, you know, outside of that one year, a couple years ago where they missed the playoffs, um, where they just had just a rash of injuries. Um, you know, they haven't, they keep, they keep making the playoffs and finishing like, you know, top three or four almost every year without a striker. So right. if there's one, if there's one team that can handle losing Alan Polito for the season, it's probably sporting Kansas city. So 
All right, moving along, uh, Vancouver. Uh, they finished the year uh, on a tear, actually, finishing 12, 13, and 9 for 49 points, finished in sixth place. We play them away uh, on July 8th, and then uh, they come here on uh, October 9th, which I believe is the last game of the season. Um, it is. It's the first time we've ever hosted uh, MLS Decision Day, so that's going to be pretty cool. They didn't do a ton of stuff. Um, they obviously sold Maxime Cropo to the aforementioned LAFC. Uh, Tristan Blackman was, they select, so they paid Charlotte, I think it was like 400 some thousand dollars in Garber bucks to select Tristan Blackman in the expansion draft, um, from LAFC. Um, other than that, they really didn't do a ton. I think the one thing they have going for them is that they have a full year. So Vanny Sartini took over, uh, last year about, you know, what was that? A little over halfway through the season and they went on an absolute tear and went from, you know, not making the playoffs to, you know, almost almost finishing um, as the four seed. Um, so you, you got to think a, a full year under Vanny Sartini with some uh, uh, that dude. And that dude, I don't know if you guys remember the playoff when he, when they beat uh, Kansas city, um, he went mm-hmm. on that fucking amazing uh, rant. Um, basically like just saying that he, how drunk they were going to get. And all, it, the dude's, the dude's a, a yeah. good character. So he'll be good for the league. So, you know, Vancouver kind of, I mean, they, they, um, their goalkeeper now I'm blanking. Is it halal? Not halal. Their backup goalkeeper played a bunch last year because Kripo was injured. So it's not like I'm they're just Hassal. bringing Hassal, Hassal, not halal. Hassal. Um, he played a bunch last year. Um, he definitely played in the uh, 2020 season during the MLS's back tournaments. Um, so the, the guy has some reps. So they're not bringing someone completely brand new um, who hasn't been playing in the system. So obviously it's a step down because Maxime Kripo is a very goddamn good goalkeeper. Um, but I don't think there'll be too much in terms of losing um, the stability that Kripo brings. Not new, but I like German defender Florian Youngworth uh, on the back line. And then I've wanted that dude. I've wanted that dude in Minnesota for basically since like 2017. Yeah. Yeah. Since he, since he, he beat us in uh, TCF bank stadium. Yeah, me and Martin, like we like jerked each other off thinking about Florian Youngworth on our back line, like multiple times in those first couple of seasons. We were also pretty drunk during those first two years of recording the podcast. So. But you have to ask yourself, Vadim Demidov or Florian Youngworth, right? You ask yourself those questions. I, I will say this uh, on the incoming, someone you didn't mention is one midfielder, Sebastian Borhalter, that they picked up. There's a reason I didn't mention him. Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, no, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to. Yeah, no. Yeah. I didn't, I don't want to, we can't talk about every single player that comes into a team. And I mean, Sebastian Berhalter is like, he's all right, but I mean, he's he's on loan with, with Austin. Now he, yeah. Columbus sent him up to Canada, he's, whatever. Yeah. He's fine. He's okay. Whatever. The, the, uh, the right. non theory is, is that Sebastian Berhalter wants a, someone to spy on the Canadian national team. So a Greg Berhalter wants someone to spy on the Canadian yeah, yeah. national team. Okay. Yeah. Well, when the goalkeeper's gone, it doesn't really fucking matter right. at this point, does it? <laughs> There's other what Canadian national team players are on Vancouver at this point. Best, the best laid plans of mice and men. Um, Greg Berhalter. All right, let's move on. Seattle Sounders. This is always, you know, fucking Sounders. They're always good. Um, 17, 9, and 8 last year, 60 points. Uh, they finish in second place. We host them on April 2nd. Uh, then we go to Seattle on May 15th. So we get our Seattle matches out of the way relatively early in the season. Uh, you know, they brought, they lost Shane O'Neill, Brad Smith. They did add a, um, a particular player and um, 
Rob, I'll let you talk about who they added. I mean, they added Albert Rusnak, who uh, was just an Fucking absolute Christ, man. Yeah, ah. the rich get richer. Um, yeah, that it's 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 absolutely insane. Um, you know, their their front line of of Morris, Ladero, and Rui Diaz be added by Rusnak like that. It's just going to be and Jordan Morris un- unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, MJ, you were, I, you, I said that as you were typing, so. No, I, I you know, assuming he stays healthy, like right. coming back from surgery, assuming they manage his minutes and recovery, like that's a very dangerous attack with yeah, I, a structured defensive system. I, I don't can't, know. I can't claim to off. know. I mean, I know that they're a deep team. I don't know much of the players on their bench, but I also, I know that, um oh what's his fucking name? Their their coach is uh really Brian, good. Brian yeah, so he, he <laughs> Schmetzer's good <laughs> at uh rotation and at managing minutes. And I, I think if any I, I feel like he's gonna stay healthy and that team's just gonna dominate. I, I, I have a really bad feeling uh that I'm not going to love living in the general area of Sounders fans. You mean the Brian Schmetzer Orchestra? Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I put in here a note. Nothing actually matters because this team will finish first or second, um, as they always do. Um, they will, you know, occasionally crap out in the playoffs. So there is that. So we can always I mean, this that, la- but this last season, this was the first time that they ever didn't win at least one match in the playoffs. So maybe, you know, we're in for uh, <laughs> some some years of failure uh yeah oh, god god willing so <laughs> yeah all right let's move on to the team that finished uh first beat out color uh beat out seattle for the first uh overall seed in the western conference last year surprise team i think to a lot of people colorado they finished 17 10 and 7 uh 61 points uh he said finished first in the western conference probably the best team to never to not spend any fucking money in mls history um i'm sure there's other teams in the in sort of like the pre Tam and Gam era, but this dude, this team had one DP who didn't even play a ton for the team last year. Um, we host them on the 16th of April. Then we go to Colorado on the 6th of August. So right in the middle of summer. So that should be awesome. I'm actually thinking that we're actually um, planning a trip or thinking about planning a trip. There's, we play, we'll talk about LAFC, but we play LAFC like the sun, this like the Saturday or Sunday before. And then this game's a Wednesday game. So going out to like flying out to LA, watching the game out there, hanging out with uh, Anna's sister who lives out there and then flying to Colorado, hanging on Colorado for a few days, seeing friends and going to the Colorado game and then flying home to Minnesota. So doing like a week, you know, but um, hitting two, two matches. So hopefully the car, if you ever, you've never got a chance to go to the Colorado uh, away match. It's fucking fun. Those guys like, like to party. They have a, one of the best tailgates. I've never been, I've not been to the Dallas beer guardian tailgate. I've heard that's pretty good too. But the best tailgate I've ever been to is the Colorado tailgate. So um, if you get a chance to get to Colorado, do it. Plus, you know, weed's legal. So also that. Uh, interesting moves. Minnesota, or sorry, Colorado played. Um, they sold Kellen Acosta to LAFC for over a million dollars. LAFC uh, just basically loading up with players. Uh, Austin Trusty is going to Arsenal. He's not leaving until the summer, um, but he will be going to uh, Arsenal and probably you know be loaned out to some other team uh, for the start of the Premier League season. 
Cole Bassett is off to Feyenoord, um, and Sam Vines also left the team. So they did lose a lot of uh, key players, um, but Robin Frazier is possibly one of the best coaches in MLS. Um, he gets a lot of things out of not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, money. So um, anything else? Any other important uh, things we want to highlight? They lose a Kellen Acosta and gain a Brian Acosta from FC Dallas. Right. I forgot about Brian. Yeah. So- help stabilize some things and then they picked up a midfielder max uh alves from brazilian club flamingo yeah colorado's just a team that you know either they're really bad or they're generally pretty good and they always they have minnesota's number for some reason so um you know uh, altitude robin fraser well, maximizing talent i mean you, you yeah. said it you said it like you know a lot of just kind of no names, as it were, uh, and quiet quietly got 61 points last year. Like, just kind of kept going and kept going. Yeah. Uh, I still love uh, my favorite moment probably in Minnesota United history is uh, Harrison Heath getting a red card uh, on the bench <laughs> against Colorado. I still have that picture. I wake up to it every morning. It's on my nightstand. Um, I look at it. I kiss it. Then I kiss my wife. Uh, and then uh, go about my day. So, picture uh, first, though. Picture first. No, it's my one true love is Harrison Heath getting red cards. <laughs> like that is my my one one true love. So, all right, moving along. I, I feel like I put all the like most of the good teams in the first half of the podcast here. So, uh, let's do another good team, the Portland and Timbers. Yeah, and and Houston. Uh, Portland Timbers. We just saw them uh, last uh, last weekend. Uh, oh, sorry, we lost. Ago, and we lost uh, 17-4 and 13 last year, 55 points, good for fourth place. Uh, obviously knocked us out of the playoffs uh, in the first round. We played we lost. Them. <laughs> Please stop yelling. <laughs> uh, we MJ. lost. We played them at home on the 30th of July, and then we go to Portland uh, on the 10th of September. So um, some interesting moves for the Portland Timbers, uh, number one, fuck Andy Poyo, uh, that, uh, human piece of garbage. Fuck that guy. Fuck that uh, guy. And fuck, and fuck the management of that club. Yeah. Fuck, that, fuck this club generally. Fuck basically, the ownership. Yeah. Lots of things. Uh, Diego Valeri gone. Steve Clark, as we mentioned, gone to, um, the greener pastures of, uh, the Houston dynamo. Um, anybody else you want to highlight? This is, uh, other than to say, yeah, fuck Mayor Paulson and, uh, and his uh, shitty ass front office. Um, yeah, but it's well, mostly a lot of the same. Uh, Sebastian Blanco, Diego Chara, they still wreck, you know, run rough shot over most teams. Um, yeah, MJ. Once a loon, uh, Minnesota local is, is Jome uh, had his option declined. Ah, uh, missed that. But, so, um, yeah, it's a fun place to go to watch a game. Um, the, sh- the turf is fucking shitty. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. And Portland plays really well at home. So we've had Portland's number outside of the playoff loss. We've had Portland's number for most of our time in MLS. Um, I know they kicked the shit out of us in our home opener or this, not sorry, the home opener, but our, our season opener of our first season in 2017. And then we hadn't lost to them until the playoff match. I think, um, I think we were like, you know, like four, like four, two and oh against them between, um, regular season and open cup uh, before we lost to them in the playoffs. So Would you like it for, for our coach again in, from Minnesota United. 
I, I, might have brought, I might have brought that up a couple times while in Portland. I, it's it's a thing I will never not just rue the day that we decided to go with Adrian fucking Heath instead of Gio Savarese. Man, I I don't we don't want to bring bring up uh, old wounds, but I was advocating for that dude well before Adrian Heath was uh was named the manager of this team, and um I was firmly rebuffed by everybody I talked to and uh, including I MJ. Like, I feel so. like was most I of that fuck the cosmos in me at the yeah, time. Right. I mean, was that what what most of the like negative feelings towards Severese were? Because oh, he's from the cosmos. Yeah, I mean, but it, they were a good team that beat the shit out of us all right. the time. Right. So. That's a that's a really <laughs> stupid reason. Like we could have totally I, domed them by taking their manager. I, fuck you, Cosmos. Your manager is ours, and we're still think, a team. I don't think that was the reason that um, the off the front. I think the front office. I think they legitimately like had a conversation with at least the Cosmos. But apparently, the Cosmos wanted um, a shit ton of money uh, to buy him out of his contract, basically. And Minnesota being the tight at like the tight wads and tight asses that they are, Dr. Bill, especially didn't want to pay, you know, whatever, a couple hundred thousand dollars to the cosmos to, to buy Savarese out of his contract. And so then in 2018, when basically the team folded, he was out of a contract and that's when Portland swooped in and got him. So I, 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 I have, it on, I have it on good authority that they had conversations, whether they had him with uh, Savarese or they just had the conversations with the cosmos, they definitely had them internally about when they were talking about managers. Um, Cause I know that people in the front office there like liked him and thought he was a good guy and a great manager. I think it was just basically like um, penny pinching and Adrian Heath was cheap. And like, he still is like a really, like, I know he just signed it, you know, a couple years ago, he signed a contract extension. I still think he's like one of the, the like lowest paid managers in MLS. Plus he, you know, I think he lives rent free in uh, uh, Dr. McGuire's like um, uh, boathouse or whatever on his property out there. So you don't think McGuire's getting, getting some sort of uh, money out of Houston. He's like, I'm just going to pay you hundred, I'm going to pay you $150,000 a year less. And you can right. live uh, on the, in this nice ass boathouse for free. So Joking aside about fuck the cosmos because that was mostly no seriously fuck the 90, cosmos 90 percent yeah, fuck the cosmos that was not the reason why I didn't like Savarese. I flashback to 2016. I was thinking we needed a manager with MLS experience. I, I was, wonder if that was my biggest downfall was thinking that Adrian Heath has MLS manager experience. He has experience bringing a, a minor league team lower division team into MLS. Let's go with Adrian Heath, not Gio Savarese. Hindsight being what it is though, despite our record against Portland, I would have to agree with both of you. I do wonder if that was some of the calculus that this, that made them go with Heath. Um, but correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Orlando City fucking sucked. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say, to quote um, um, noted philosopher uh, Thanos, or Thanos, um, I don't consider failure experience. So, anyways, that's a Marvel joke for all you uh, Marvel heads out there. So, tune in for uh, these awesome pop culture references. Uh, all right, our final team before we take a quick break and David goes to the uh, to the potty. Uh, Real Salt Lake. Who? Yeah, who? Um, fourteen six and fourteen last year. They snuck into the playoffs with forty eight points, finishing in seventh place. Uh, then they went on a run. Um, 
David Ochoa, the uh, the brash Mexican goalkeeper, uh, young Mexican goalkeeper, um, you know, put the team on his back and they and they snuck out some games, uh, almost making it to MLS Cup. Um, they finished it's like a king troll. I I, I gotta say it. Like I really do love like what a piece of shit that guy and like how well he owns it. It's it's the ultimate wrestler heel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they we play them uh, here on uh, July second. I'm pre- pretty sure that's our uh, salute to America game. So God bless America and God bless the troops and yeah, um, fucking flyovers. I might I might have to bust out my Antifa. Um, I know we were talking about the 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 misstriped the gray the different gray striped jersey i turned that into a antifa jersey i spray painted the antifa logo on it so we have to bust that jersey out for uh for that match uh then we go to uh we go to salt lake on august 31st uh for our return leg uh interesting moves um they brought in new owners deloy hansen that um that sexist racist piece of garbage no longer owns the team Bye-bye. David Blitzer, David Blitzer, uh, who owns the 76ers, the New Jersey Devils, owns a bunch of soccer teams. Um, I think he actually has a part ownership of Crystal Palace. I think he's a part owner of Augsburg, uh, FC Augsburg, I believe. And then Ryan Smith, who's a, um, I believe he's a part owner of the Jazz, the Utah Jazz. Um, so those guys came in, uh, took over the team. They retained Pablo Mastroianni, who uh, took over as interim manager again about the same time that Vinny, uh, Vinny Saratini, and uh, basically just you know willed RSL into the playoffs. So um, bringing those guys in is great, and keeping uh, Mastroianni, who did a really great job with the team, awesome. They also brought in a right winger, uh, Sergio Cordova, uh, Venezuelan international. Um, he's on loan from FC Augsburg. Again, I think. Having multiple soccer teams across the, the globe will you know pay dividends for teams uh, like RSL who don't have a who don't want to spend a ton of money, um, but definitely can give playing time to um, to players. So they did in you know Rob you you mentioned uh, Rusnak um, going to Seattle. He was the the RSL talisman for quite some time. Yeah, he really was, and I think losing that. I mean, it's it's the same sort of um, you know Seattle's gain is. RSL's loss here. I I think that it's going to be. I mean, we'll see. We'll see if uh, Bobby Wood can regain any sort of goal scoring. Uh, but I, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to match what Riznak has done over the past few years. I mean, there's still some interesting pieces. Um, with you know, Demir Krylak is still there. Uh, Justin Glad is a you know good defender. Bobby Wood has talent. He has ability. Um, but he hasn't. I mean, to my knowledge, anyway, he hasn't really shown it in the MLS. He hasn't really had success here. Um, it'd be nice to see him succeed. I'm not. I'm not sure it's going to happen. Justin Miram is solid. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Once a Thunder, Freddie Juarez, former coach, uh, he is now an assistant at Seattle Sounders. Yeah, he did. So- he dipped. He dipped mid-season. <laughs> he was just like screw this. I'm going to take the assistant coaching job at Seattle. Um, I don't want to coach the, be the head coach of the RSL uh, team. So um, I guess you could consider that a step up. He put something in Rusnok's ear. Like you want to win. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, tell them that in the playoffs last year though. That's yeah. That's MJ and on right there. Everybody that's, we're not, we're not, um, uh, we're not saying collusion or tampering or anything like that. So, Uh, all right. Yeah. MJ and on is yes. Uh, Or MJ specifically. I don't know either one. 
Uh, all right, well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will do the second, uh, the other half, the shittier half of the uh, of the Western Conference, apparently. So we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude and I want you be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. All right. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we will start with Nashville uh, Western Conference debutants. Uh, they were supposed to start in the Western Conference two years ago when they joined the league, but obviously uh, COVID and everything happened, and uh, they played in the Eastern Conference for a couple of years. They are now moving to the West with uh, Charlotte, um, or as they are affectionately referred to amongst a lot of supporter groups, uh, Clit FC. Clit um, FC. Based- Clit FC. Uh, um, they finished 12, 18, and four with 54 points last year. That's good for third in the Eastern Conference. We play them, uh, our home opener, uh, March 5th, and then we play in Nashville on the 14th of August. So, I mean, obviously, the most interesting move is they are coming to the West. Yeah. Uh, and to be fair, that so that 54 points would have been good for fourth in the West. Um, and I mean, uh, granted. They were playing Eastern opponents. Um, I think that they're going to have maybe a tough time, um, you know, with some of those like actual West Coast uh, travels, and you know, might might have a little bit of trouble with some of the teams in the in the West. But their defense is stout, and I don't I don't see it getting you know step, taking any step back. Um, you know, I'm, I'm stepping on your notes, but I mean, Walker Zimmerman is probably the best defender in the league. Um, if not the, uh, he's, you know, top five at least. Um, and yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. They play a, a three, five, two. Um, they, yeah. Best defensive team in the league last year. They only conceded 33 goals. Walker Zimmerman is a major, major part of that. Um, they also don't score a ton of goals though. They had, like I said, they had 18 draws last year. So they more than half of their games ended in a draw. Um, there's a lots of zero, zero and one, one draws. They do have um, uh, Hani Mukhtar and CJ Sapong who can steal games. Uh, so as long as Minnesota knows this very well, like you keep the game close, you can steal it in the last 10, you know, five, 10, 15 minutes of the game. That is very, I mean, that's very similar. Not, I mean, obviously they don't play the same system that Minnesota does, but very similar ethos to how Nashville plays where it's, it's keep the ball in front of you. Don't concede. And we have a chance to, to sneak out some points here um, or a point. Uh, one thing I'll say, so they are moving to the West and I think the West is, um, I think the East is probably top heavy, a better conference, but in terms of like one through 10, I think the Western conference is better and Nashville makes it even tougher, I believe. And they are going to be starting the season with their first seven matches away from home. They're opening a new stadium this year. So they're going to be playing much like Austin did last year for a couple months on the road. So It'll be interesting to see how they do with that. Um, obviously, their second game of the season will be uh, will be uh, you know against us. Um, that's a that's a long time. That's a, a long stretch to play away from home. So, you know, I mean, Austin. Gonna, it, it, yeah, they they it, they were able to eventually figure it out, but you know, it is it is what it is. So, well, and with those you know front loaded on the road, um, yeah, maybe they'll that'll cause a couple little bit of, of trouble early in the season, but it will back end like load them with home matches uh, in a new stadium that's going to be loud and, uh, you know, 
they, um, if I am correct, they didn't lose a single home match last season. Um, yeah. You know, and they only lost four matches all season. Uh, they know how to grind out points. Yes, they only got 12 wins. It's the fewest wins to make the playoffs in the East, only matched by Vancouver um, for a playoff team. Um, so I, you know, they know they know how to grind out points, and I think that they'll be able to do that on the road, uh, be able to stay afloat uh, they, in a similar way that uh, Portland did a few years back for the first, was it two and a half, three months of the season they were playing on the road? Um, yeah. And, and then just make hay in the sunshine at the end of the season. Yeah. They're, they're actually a very good model for, uh, I mean, we're not going to talk about Charlotte, but Charlotte is a fucking shit show. Um, I don't know how much people are following along with, uh, love their coach. Yeah. The the absolute shit show that's going on down there. But if you're starting an MLS franchise, if I'm St. Louis, I'm looking at what Nashville did and I'm just, I'm going to, I want to replicate Nashville. Um, you know, if you don't have the money, St. Louis is, is not, is not LAFC. They're not Atlanta. Um, right. They can, if they can replicate what, what Nashville did, uh, they'll be sitting pretty. Um, they, you know, they didn't bring in a ton. They did bring in a, a Minnesota kid, Teal Bunbury on a $150,000 transfer. He comes from new England. Uh, he's getting old, so he's probably not going to start a whole lot, but shout out to prior Lake Shattuck, St. Mary's and all that Minnesota stuff. He joins Luke Hawkinson and Eric Miller. That's right. I forgot Eric Miller is at Nashville. Cool. Uh, they they did lose there. the, yeah, they did lose Dunlady. Um, although he didn't really score much for them, uh, lost Dunlady to us. So, uh, I think Nashville is going to be uh, very similar. Um, we'll see with the firepower. Uh, like I said I think the Western Conference is deeper. Um, and you know when you're playing the likes of Orlando and DC United and those, you can you know you can manage to get a one-one draw. But you know when you're playing RSL and and um. Vancouver and LAFC and LA Galaxy. There's a, those are, you know, LAFC and LA Galaxy have guys that can score on you. So um, they're also going to concede a bunch theoretically, but they can score too. So also I expect Gary we'll see. Is not the Dunlady whisperer that Heath is. <laughs> Gary Smith, yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, the best team in Texas, at least last year, FC Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Which is, which is not saying a lot. Um, uh, their last year, record last year was seven. Uh, wins 12 draws and 15 losses they finished on 33 points um they won the uh the derby to texas uh but they finished in 11th place which was uh only uh one spot above austin and two spots above houston so texas really sucked ass last year and i think we did a i can't remember what we basically we were, we're looking at minnesota united's record and they they got like the maximum almost the maximum amount of points against the texas teams and like just sucked ass against everybody else. And, but for right. Texas, Minnesota United would not have made the playoffs last year. So God bless Texas. We uh, will mess with Texas. We will certainly mess with Texas. They play, we play them down in, uh, down in Dallas on May 22nd. And then they come up here on September 3rd. Uh, another new manager in the league, Nico Estevez. Uh, they had some outgoing transfers. Um, Justin Shea was loaned to Hoffenheim. Uh, Pepe was sold uh, this winter uh, to Augsburg, FC Augsburg for $20 million. Uh, Marco Farfan and Ryan Hollingshead swapped places. Um, Farfan defender coming to Dallas and Hollingshead going to LAFC. Uh, they brought in a 19-year-old uh, attacking Argentinian from Libertadores, uh, Alan Velasco, and traded for 
uh, DC United's Paul Areola. Those guys presumably will be on the left and right wings for um, FC Dallas. And then Jesus Ferreira is still on the roster. There was talk that he might get a move uh, in the in the winter window. Um, he's still there. Um, he's still a very talented number nine. Um, Dallas has some attacking talents. Uh, they don't have any defense. So um, make of that what you will. Interestingly enough, uh, Nico Estevez, before he was hired by FC Dallas, was a U.S. national team assistant, and he has also experienced coaching Valencia. Right. They they did do, yeah, go ahead, Rob. Uh, uh, they did do good business by selling Ricardo Pepe, like probably at the height of his. Yeah. And I mean, they got a lot. They got a lot for him. Um, I'm not exactly sure where that money has gone. Um, that's, that's the problem is that they do really good outgoing business. They don't really do good income incoming business. Right. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the whole, the whole point with Dallas. So, but yeah, you, yeah, MJ, you're right. Bringing a guy who can, who is used to managing youth uh, players is definitely something that Dallas is, wants to um, focus yeah. on. Uh, all right. Moving on from FC Dallas. Let's talk about, Maybe the funnest team in MLS, <laughs> San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, still, still coached by Matias Almeida. Somehow, I have no <laughs> idea how, not only how that guy still has a job, but why he still wants to have the job in San Jose. I mean, it must, I, Rob, you can tell us, is San Jose a nice place to live? Uh, well, I mean, the Bay Area is. Okay. Uh, San Jose, <laughs> and I mean, honestly, the side of San Jose that the stadium is on. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure where he, where he lives in the San Jose, San Jose proper. Maybe he's over in Sunnyvale or Los Gatos. Or I mean, okay. there are some incredibly nice. Um, you know, I mean, it's the heart of Silicon Valley. I mean, there's lots and lots of very nice places to be and yeah. do. They and they, they they apparently have a. You know, I've not been to the San Jose Stadium, but they have a kick-ass outdoor bar, um, which is like apparently like <laughs> so. It, it, the stadium, honestly, I, you know, my first introduction to professional soccer was going to matches at Spartan Stadium at San Jose State. Um, I don't really have, you know, I'm, I was 11 or 12 years old, so I, I, I don't have super clear memories, but um, I know a lot of people that are season ticket holders that would, they wish that they were still there. They would rather be at that shitty stadium than at this and where it is and uh, yeah good to know um well last year they finished uh in 10th place uh with a 10 11 and 13 record uh 41 points we host them uh march 19th and then we go to san jose on uh, october 1st so lots of time in between those matches uh let's get through a couple moves and we'll talk about minnesota united so they brought they did uh they traded for uh Jamero montero from philadelphia uh, the Philly Union. Uh, he's been wanting out of there for a while, and uh, he got to go to San Jose. And uh, they're the talisman for San Jose, um, MLS, maybe even yeah, talisman for MLS. Chris Wondolowski finally retired um, after people have been, he's been speculating about it for a couple years now. He finally retired, um, scored a goal in his last game, which is really nice to see. Uh, and then they did some things that we are, uh, you know, rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> <laughs> um so let's so let's talk about him uh they brought in Jan Gregus they 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 selected him they actually physically took him in the uh um re-entry draft 
Uh, he's not a, he's no longer a, a designated player. He's a TAM player for San Jose. And maybe more importantly, or at least more hilariously for this podcast, uh, our good buddy, Frank Calvo, uh, decides to go to San Jose and what can only, one can only assume is he's trying to commit career suicide. Um, I just, yeah. Not to give I, away my, my end of season rankings, but I had them as a playoff team before they, <laughs> I, I really do think that their front line, I think, uh, Jeremy Obovesa, uh, you know, uh, Obovesi and, uh, Kate Cowell. Uh, I think that, that there's a lot of things to love about like the attack of San Jose, but I mean, you shoot yourself right in the dick by signing, by bringing in a guy like Calvo. Um, there was a theory that I, I can't remember who mentioned it. It was on Twitter. It was right after Calvo signed with San Jose. And it was basically like, you know, assuming that they're going to stay in the man marking system uh, that Matias Almeida uh, prefers, which they did they, last year. They did do, they, they were, didn't play it exclusively. So they, there were some times where they kind of had, had more of a formation, which is probably for the better. Um, but the theory goes, was like, well, if Frankie Calvo only has to focus on one guy, he'll be okay. It's when he has to think <laughs> about two or three other players running into the box where that's where he fucks up. So it's not a terrible theory. And maybe that is the theory that, um, uh, Matias Almeida was working on. He's like, listen, that guy is, t- I mean, let's be fair. Frankie Calvo is a talented football player. Um, he's just not, uh, he doesn't really have his wits about him off often. And he he loses focus. focus. He loses focus mm-hmm. on defense. If all the dude has to do is focus on one guy and just chase that guy around. Maybe there's something that works there. I mean, that's a very, you know, optimistic outlook and you're given a lot more, um, leash than I would have expected to hear from you. <laughs> it's not, it, listen, man, it's not my theory. It's just, it's something I saw on the internet. And so sure. clearly it, it's, it's, you know, I, I do, I don't think it's crazy. Like, I don't think it's the craziest idea out there, but um, I don't, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be fucking hilarious. And I, I just can't yeah. wait till he's kicking the ball into his own back of his own net multiple times a, a, a year. Yeah. Um, and you're right. They, they, they have, you know, are arguably a top five attack. But the problem is, is that like when they turn the ball over and they do turn the ball over, they're fucked. Right. <laughs> so. I mean, it's good. They're going to be, that's, you know, like you said, uh, sort of tongue in cheek. I mean, they really are one of the most exciting teams in MLS because all of their matches are high scoring. They're all over the place. They're just messes uh, in like a really exciting, fun way. Um, and yeah, I mean, they're going to score a lot of goals. They're going to leak a lot. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how their season goes and how much Calvo actually plays. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure he'll be a starter there. Even my biggest disappointment is they let go Aloni from Chivas, named Oswaldo Alanis, and thus all of my Alanis Morissette references are. Not that ironically out the, out the window. window. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So are you guys familiar with the concept of like the league pass team or like the NHL pass team? It's basically like, so in, in NBA, there's like teams where it's like, I think, I, I think I maybe heard of this like on the Bill Simmons podcast years ago or whatever. It's basically like, if you have like the NBA league pass, you can watch all the teams. <clears throat> if that, if there's a, a certain team on, you turn the game on because it's gonna be fucking exciting. 
it's going to be a shit show, but it's going to be exciting. San Jose is a is a league pass team. Like if that game, if, if you're not if you don't have a soccer match going on that you're for a team you're supporting and they're on, fucking put it on ESPN Plus because it's going to be exciting. Um, I, I feel like the Florida Panthers and the Edmonton Oilers are that like both for different reasons. The Edmonton Oilers because they're kind of a shit show and they will score a bunch of goals, but they also are a shit show. Um, and the Florida Panthers in in hockey as well because they're just they will they'll score eight goals and you'll be like what the fuck uh, how that just happened so. Not to get all hockey talk on on everybody in the podcast. So no, but San Jose is that as a neutral, you don't have anything to watch. Why not? Yeah, yeah, they're a very fun team for for neutrals. Um, don't show it to anybody who's a who's an Anglophile who hates MLS. Like they're not going to want to watch this kind of soccer. Um, but for anybody who's like down with combable, like you show them the fucking San Jose earthquakes and they will get into MLS very very fast. So. <laughs> All right, uh, moving along to the other shitty-ass Texas team, Austin FC. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, all right, all right, all right, FC. 9-4 and 21 last year. They lost 21 matches, and they didn't finish as the worst team in the league. So good on you, Austin FC. Uh, 31 points, 12th place uh, in the Western Conference. We go to Austin on the 10th of April, and then they come here on the 20th of August. Um a few interesting moves for Austin FC. They brought in Jojan Valencia from Deportivo Cali for $1.7 million. And in terms of internal MLS signings, um, Ethan Finley, former Minnesota United player, and Maxi Arruti um, have gone to uh, Austin FC, which should theoretically help shore up their sort of their attack, um, which was lacking to say. Um, they got shut out a lot, I believe, last year. So, it's uh those are good pieces. Ethan Finley, obviously um, someone hate to see go from Minnesota, but the fact that we have and spoiler alert, we have 600,000 over $600,000 worth of uh, goalkeepers on our roster. We couldn't afford to pay Ethan Finley any more money. So um, make of that what you will. So any other um, pieces I'm missing from Austin? I had something and then I forgot it. Um, <laughs> so never mind. Oh, Austin. Matt, Be- Matt, Be- Matt Beasler is retiring. He oh, that's to- right. Yeah, Beasler retired. Huh. Re- retired, and he re- he retires not as a sporting Kansas City player, but as an Austin FC. He's not going to sign a one-day contract. I mean, I, I do. I do. It hope I that reference. And I like it. Yeah. I do hope, um, you know, good things for Ethan. But uh, I'll continue to forget that Austin FC are a team. I've watched a couple of games um, on TV. Their stadium looks cool. Um, I like when they score goals, like it, it blacks out and then like all the green lights and stuff. It's, it looks like a fucking like nightclub. So it's, it's got, it's got a cool vibe. I'm not sure what it looks like or how it is inside in the stadium. Um, I've only heard good things from people who've been there. So I will I really... say they have the best drum. I, you know, no, guess no offense to the Thunderwall or any other, uh, you know, drum section in the MLS, but they really do have some amazing drums. Um, at least, you know, the lights on the inside of them and it's, it, it, it it's a vibe. Yeah. It'd be, I mean, it's, I really, I kind of want to see Austin um, do well just because, you know, they're the only pro team in, you know, in that area outside. I mean, they're standing to, I guess there's, um, um, they're not too far from Houston, but like, it's a college town. Um, I think they, they San Antonio's get right there. Yeah, San Antonio's there too. But like, really, there's not. I mean, 
in that in that city, which is a you know a, a very liberal city. It's a you know liberal for a Texas. Part, blue, a blue part in the heart of Texas. Yeah, right. So I think it'd be really cool. I I I really like Austin. I've been to Austin um, one time, and I had a really great time. I would love to go back to Austin. So I just, I kind of like to see them. I think like sometimes I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll dream about a breakfast taco I had um, from a uh, from a taco truck in Austin uh, when I was down for um, South by Southwest one year, like fuck, like almost 20 years ago now. And I, I, I think about that breakfast taco <laughs> to this day. So, I mean, I'll say I this. Could, I like, I'd be fine with them being good if it wasn't for their owner. I mean, you know, as right, long as the pre-court is part of the team, it's a piece of shit. So yeah. Can't um, root, can't root for anything good for them. That's fair. There's fair. I mean, their fans are passionate. So, you, you know, you can't sure. hold that against, you can't hold their owner against them. But it's also met a couple of them in uh, in Portland during the ISC, yeah. and you know, nice folk, like good good people. But you know, sorry, fuck your team. Yeah. The crew, <laughs> shame on him. Uh, all right, and then let's finally let's wrap up with the two LA teams. Let's start with uh, LAFC, who had a uh, a down year last year, finished in ninth place, missing the playoffs, uh, finishing behind actually their crosstown rivals, the Galaxy. Uh, they finished with a twelve nine and thirteen record for forty five points. We go to LA on the first of uh, May, and as I mentioned earlier, um, we host or yeah, we host them on the thirteenth of uh, uh, September. Um, you know, they brought in, they made some of you know. Obviously, we've we've already talked about a bunch of their signings uh, vis-a-vis them other te- you know, teams, players leaving other teams. But to recap, Kellen Acosta and Maxime Capot both came in for around a um, million dollar transfers each. I think Kellen Acosta was. A little over a million dollars, and Capo, I think, was pretty much exactly a million dollars. Um, they brought Luis in as you Sanchez mentioned, and Ryan Sanchez. All he said, uh, far fans out. Uh, Eduardo Tuesta is out, he was uh transferred to Palmeiras for four million dollars. They get Carlos Vela back after basically a year long injury, which I think is the, probably the, the best move they made is that they just have a dude coming back who um was the golden boot winner a couple years ago. Um, Bob Bradley uh, as the manager of the team, and they brought in their um, uh, Las Vegas Lights, their their uh, uh, feeder team, uh, Steve Chirundolo, former U.S. Uh, men's international. Was he a captain, MJ, of uh, of the t- of the U.S. men's national team? I can't remember if Chirundolo ever ever I, captained the team. I don't know if he captained because Carlos Bocanegra was the captain. Oh right, the, yeah, the yeah. So Chirundolo he might um, have won the armband when. Bocanegra couldn't make it. You know? Yeah. So Toronto comes in his only um, like head coaching, you know, experience is with the Las Vegas lights. People will point to them. They had a really, they had a terrible team last year um, or a terrible season in terms of like their record. But I think the pe- thing that people are forgetting is that they were really working. They were, they were training in LA with the LAFC and then they would drive down to, they would drive to Las Vegas play their games and then drive back to LA. So he wasn't really trying to manage them to, to do well in the USL. He was really like, he was working as like the, basically the, you know, the assistant coach of Bob Bradley trying to get the players working in the system that uh, Bob Bradley was putting together. So you can't really, I can't really, um, until we see Toronto sort of fuck it up at the MOS level, I'm not going to really hold his, um, his one year of USL um, head coaching experience against him. Uh, clearly, the LAFC owners could have brought in pretty much anybody they wanted to. Um, they would have spent the money. 
they thought Trondolo was the best guy for the job. So um, I think we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. And when you have a guy like Carlos Vela coming back, um, uh, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, Vela coming back is huge. Probably one of the big, biggest, you know, quote unquote moves. I mean, to have him healthy back there. I'm glad that LAFC decided to go with Trundolo instead of, you know, I mean, like you said, they could have picked from anybody from, you know, uh, international soccer, you know, plumbed the depths of South America and, and you know, found some big name somewhere else. I'm glad that they kept it, you know, a U.S. men's national team alum. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I expect them to rebound after an aberration of a bad season. Just a shout out to Donnell Henry, uh, a Canadian center back who maybe gets playing time, but he signed from the Suwon Blue Wings from the K-League. So just because he played over in Korea, I got to mention him. He also played at West Ham United and Blackburn Rovers. And Cool. And then their opponents in the El Trafico, the LA Galaxy, uh, they finished ahead of LAFC last year, as I mentioned, 13-9-12, uh, and 12, 48 points in eighth place, just missing the playoffs. We host the Galaxy on uh, May 18th, and then we go to LA on August 3rd. So they made a few moves. Um, Douglas Costa comes in for uh, LA Galaxy. That's an interesting one. They'll have Douglas Costa, Chicharito, and Kevin Cabral across the front three. That could either be um, amazing uh, or it could be, again, a complete shit show. Um, with Douglas Costa, you just never know. Um, Raheem Edwards, uh, former loon, moves across town from the LAFC to the LA Galaxy. And they also sold um, a couple of players moved on. They uh, traded uh, Sebastian Legette to the New England Revolution. And then Jonathan DeSantos uh, moves to Club America. So um, Douglas Costa, I think, is the big signing here. I mean, do you guys have any specific thoughts on, on Douglas Costa? Mm, yeah, I mean, nah. he's been he's been hot and cold um, for the teams that he's played with. Um, you know, it could be, will it be a, uh, you know, a really good signing like a like a you know chicharito uh last year or will it be chicharito from two years ago where the guy can barely you know put the ball on frame so who the hell knows but you know a three a trio across the front of uh, costa chicharito and cabral um is pretty goddamn dangerous um if they're if they're firing on all cylinders you know as a forward slash attacking midfielder will will douglas costa score more goals or fewer goals than robin Lude? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, just came to yeah. my brain right now. Yeah, I would. I would probably say. What do you think the over under on Robin Lude's goals is? What would you put? Yeah, it yeah, I, uh, eight. Yeah, I was. I was going to say eight sure. or maybe nine. Yeah, over, I, think, under. I think. I think Douglas. If I think Doug, I think if Douglas Costa is is if his heart's in it, I think he scores double digit goals for for the Galaxy. They have lots of really good pieces um, in the attack. Their defense is, is not great, but they have lots of good pieces in the attack. So I think that's probably right. All right. Uh, okay, cool. And then uh, before we take a break and then come back with Minnesota United, we're just going to run through very quickly our Eastern Conference opponents. We're not going to break these down by, you know, by teams because we'll, we'll talk about them when we come up to the matches. Um, but we start at Philly uh, for the season opener on the 26th um, of this month. So literally on Saturday, we go to the New York Red Bulls. 
the Bread Bowls on March 13th. Uh, Chicago comes to town. We have a game this week. We do have a game this week. We're going to talk about it eventually at some point um, in this two hour long podcast. Uh, Bread Bowls on the third on the 13th of April or of March. Um, Chicago Fire come to town on April 23rd. Uh, FC Cincinnati comes to town on May 7th. NYCFC, um, the reigning champions, come to town on the 28th of May. Uh, we go to New England on June 19th. We go to Miami on the 25th of June. And then we go to D.C. United or D.C. United, sorry, comes here on July 16th. So we wrap up our Eastern Conference slate um, mid-July. Any of those games, I mean, we play, obviously, Philly is a good team. Uh, NYCFC is the reigning champions. New England Revolution, the reigning Supporter Shield uh, winners. Um are all really good and going to Philly and new England is not great. Um, but we also play the bread bowl, Chicago, Cincinnati. Hey, don't, Miami, don't sleep on Chicago and the, the Alpine messy. Listen, I am, there is no <laughs> one. I don't know if there's anyone more excited who's not in Chicago for fucking Shakiri. Yeah. Uh, 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 to be in MLS. Because he also played for Stoke, uh, Grady is super, super excited about that. Okay, Grady might me, yeah, Grady might be the only other one who I could think of who, because Grady had him a little bit longer than than I had him at Liverpool. Already I fucking our, our group of season ticket holders. If no one wants to go to that game, I want your ticket. <laughs> I fucking love Shakiri. I, I, God, that dude is uh, amazing, and I can't wait to watch him uh, in Minnesota. Um, yeah, I'm so fucking stoked that he's gonna be here. But I can't imagine Chicago being good. Uh, the, the Red Bulls they had an they had an off season last year, but they play well at, at Red Bull Arena. Um, so I could see us, you know, a draw there. We definitely should be Chicago and Cincinnati, uh, NYCFC at home. That'll be a tough one. Obviously, New England uh, away is gonna be tough. I'm at Miami. We should beat Miami away, and then DC United. Uh, you know, again, we're not gonna. Like I said, we're not spending much time, but. This is a decent slate. I think it's it's tougher than it's not tough, um, especially since we have to go to Philly and New yeah, England. But it's still it's still England. fairly even. Uh, I feel like there's there's definitely a fair amount of points in there. It's not yes. it's not as bad as it could be. Right. Three of three of our four uh, three of our four home games should be win should be wins. Um, be nice to swap out a couple of those. You know, maybe instead of hosting Cincinnati, it'd be nice to host the red bull and go to Cincinnati kind yeah. of thing. But I think if I, had to, if I had to like say points here, I would say of our home matches, we should take nine and minimum nine points. And I think five points uh, on our, our road matches, you know, maybe a draw on Philly, um, a draw with the red bulls and we beat Miami, um, you know, maybe lose to new England or either Philly or new England, we get a draw and then, you know, lose the other one draw with red bulls and, and beat Miami. So we're, we're not drawing at new England. Sorry, David. Then we got to do it against Philly. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's take our final break. When we come back, we will talk about Minnesota United. We'll talk. We'll spend more time on Minnesota United. Obviously, we have some questions. We have some over unders. Uh, then we'll break down our our. We'll give you our predictions of the Western Conference standings, and then preview uh, the upcoming match against the aforementioned uh, Philadelphia Union. So we'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude, and I. Won't you be who you like me to? But we both know I can't do nothing at all. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. All right, and we are back uh, with our last segment of the podcast. 
This is the Minnesota United segment. Uh, we'll talk about Minnesota United. We'll give you our breakdown of the uh, how we think the season is going to go for every team, where they're going to finish, uh, and talk um, because we have a match coming up on Saturday. Uh, talk a little bit about the Philadelphia Union um, and uh, as well as some world soccer stuff. We have um, some women's tourney updates stuff. As we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Everton and uh, Union Berlin. Um, we'll have some updates on those because we have Rob in the house. So, all right, let's start Minnesota United. They finished the season in fifth place last year, uh, 13, 10 and 11, uh, negative two goal differential, uh, 42 goals scored and 44 goals allowed. Uh, 49 points, as you mentioned. They lost in the first round to the Portland Timbers. They started the season 0-4, uh, getting outscored 10-3 to in that time. So if you think about their, their goals scored and goals against. But then they went and lost only two of their next 17 matches. This team was very streaky last year, uh, and they just really just couldn't figure out to score, figure out, figure out how to score um, for long stretches of, of the season. And that uh, issue was not really seem to be figured out in the preseason <laughs> again one game they score five goals and then you know three of their other four, uh, four games they score zero goals so uh, we'll see how that manifests going forward for this team um just going to run through the players that they lost uh young Gregus obviously went to san jose we mentioned ethan finley to austin uh yuka ratala went back to uh helsinki uh lost ozzy alonso to atlanta united uh juan agadello thomas chacon Fernando Adi and Noel Billingsley were all released. Uh, I think Tommy Chacon went back to um, Liverpool in uh, Uruguay, the blue Liverpool team. Uh, bringing in, yeah, they, they brought in uh, Bango Kule Alangwane uh, from uh, South Africa, um, specifically Maritzburg United. Uh, Budan Ladi came on a free transfer from Nashville. They brought in uh, defender O'Neill Fisher from the Galaxy. Um, Eric Dick, goalkeeper from Columbus Crew. Dick in the box. Uh, Dick in the box. <laughs> Tani Oluwise from, uh, from the Super Draft, St. John's University, another striker, probably playing on the MLS uh, next uh, pro team. Kervin Ariaga, um, was he, he played for Marathon, right? CD Marathon, I believe, yes. uh, in Honduras. Yeah. And Luis Amaria finally was uh, finally, after a month of uh, rumors and, and, you know, two to three players and all that, Luis Amaria is back. He owes Adrian Heath 23 goals. As he, uh, Adrian Heath was, you know, wanted to point out, uh, he signed a two-year deal um, with two club options. He is signed as a designated player, which means Minnesota has um, all three of their DP spots uh, counted for. Uh, two of those being strikers, which is a weird spot to be in if you're Minnesota. However, Amaria's hit, I believe, is is low enough where he could easily be bought down um, and as a TAM player if uh, I, another DP. So I, I think there was some panic about, you know, not having a DP spot open for Minnesota United. I'm of the belief that if you can fill all three DP spots, um, you should, even if, you know, it's a second striker, we'll talk a little bit about what a, a two striker system might look like um, very briefly uh, in a minute here. But um, if you can, you should not just leave a DP spot open in hopes that you can sign somebody unless you have somebody locked in, ready to come in the summer you, you should, if you can get, if you can bring in a guy who, you know, he only played about a 400 minutes in that 2020 COVID shortened season where he got hurt. Um, but he looked really good in most of those 400 minutes before he got hurt. And, you know, they clearly rate the guy pretty highly. So you, you do the, you do the thing and you bring him in and you hope that if you need to, you can buy him down. What excites me about 
the offseason moves, you know, whether you think they're good or bad, one, we added a lot of depth. And two, it seems like we didn't postpone our preseason targets into midseason, where they're coming in uh, like a Robin Lude, like a Unu. Uh, if you go back far enough, like a Darwin Quintero, like we wanted to get them earlier, but for various reasons, like now that transfer window is closed and we're bringing them in mid-season. Uh, I call that uh, improvement. You are right that this does give us more depth and, and more, but when have <laughs> we ever used our depth? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a great point. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk about that. We'll rotate the squad. Right. We'll talk about that shortly. Um, so I was so John Marthaler. If you he has started a kind of like blocking about Minnesota United. He actually had a post about this today, and I wish I still had the post up. But he basically he broke down what our, our backup eleven would be, and um, it's like Dane St Clair, Bongo, um, Fisher, uh, Ariaga, and Joseph Rosales. Um, and basically the, the, the backup 11, like straight, like literally straight backups for uh, second 11. Um, if you put that team against the 2017 or 2018 team, I think our backup 11 is kicking the shit out of 2017, 2018 Minnesota United. So that's a, you know, we joke, we've joked on this podcast when Adrian talks about depth because he never uses it. Um, and we keep, and I, I know we've brought it up multiple times. I know Martin and I used to talk about it all the time. It's like, well, he, he talks about wanting depth, but then he doesn't go get depth. So then when he talks about depth, he doesn't, but he doesn't use the depth because he doesn't trust the depth. I think actually that we'll find out for sure um, this year, if Adrian Heath is willing, like if it's, if he's just saying shit because he can say shit um, because he thinks we're stupid American soccer fans, or if he actually, when he says the stuff, if he actually believes it, because we have a deep team. We have four strikers on this team. I mean, could four guys who Some could play? Some would say strikers. too many. <laughs> well, here's the thing: we we have we will have MLS Next Pro, so we have guys who can play weekly there. Um, whether it's it's Bongo, whether it's uh, uh, Oluwese, um, you know, we and they're not old guys. That's the other thing too: is like they're not Fernando Adis, Kai Kamara's, um, you know, Juan Agadelos, guys who are on their last legs. These are young, or relatively young. I mean, obviously, not everybody's sure. young, but relatively young strikers guys who can develop we have with mls next pro we have this we have this place where we can have them play on a regular basis so they're not just like rusty so you know with with chacon he would he would just sit on the bench and then all of a sudden it's like okay we're gonna play a three five two against kansas city down in, in in kansas go ahead tommy go play for you know 70 minutes and you know there's so much there's always so much you can do in training you need to play games right like i you know just even with like um, I think about this from like the, the perspective of wrestling when I, you know, wrestled and, and I coached, you know, we would have kids like on the JV, like we would have them wrestle up two or three weight classes so that they, they at least wrestled in a, a competitive match against not like their own, you know, their own teammates. Cause that just gets boring and gets, you know, repetitive. And then you, you, you want, and especially, you know, even more so probably with things like soccer and all that you want to play games. That's the reason you spend, you know, six days a week training is that you want to, get out there on, on Saturday or Sunday and, and play the game. So again, the question is Rob, to your point is, will he actually, and, and MJ, will he rotate? Um, will he actually use the depth? Will he be willing and able to make changes? We actually, we, he doesn't have any excuses anymore. Basically is, is right. I think the whole point here is that 
He can't say, oh, I only brought in two players because I only have two players I trust. Like, these are all his guys. Every single fucking one of them is, are his guys. Yeah. I mean, you can make the argument that, that they've been his guys for a few years. I think that, that to your point of, uh, you know, I think having MLS, like, literally force us to have another team, uh, a development team, is going to potentially be really helpful um, to not just, like, letting these guys wilt on the vine um you know actually give people give give these kids minutes in actual meaningful matches uh and hopefully be able to be integrated into the team in a way that they aren't being set up to fail uh aren't being brought in when we're already down three goals and they get seven minutes to dick around on the field um (laughs) you know to have actual development um of some of our players some of our younger players i'm really excited and hopeful uh, you know i'm i'm hopeful but cautiously when it comes to that yeah mj how are you feeling about the roster generally not not any formation I'm, stuff we'll talk about that in a minute i'm really excited about our backup honduran uh center mids with uh, kirvin Ariaga and joseph joseph Rosales. i really hope they get time you know whether that's they start a few games and you're resting trap and Dotson or things aren't going the way we want to, or we want to give our opponents a different look, you know, roll those guys out there. People love the attack and people love goals. You guys know, I nerd out on defense and transition. So like this is, that's one area of the game that without a Ozzy Alonso, we need to find, because we're not going to replace Ozzy, you know, a different way to to transition from defense to offense, uh, a different way to stop the transition and the counter coming at us. So those two guys I'm really excited about. Yeah, I think uh, especially with Dotson and, and him being sort of shuffled around all over the field, um, you know, in his first two seasons uh, to actually be you know, have his spot, have his position yes. that he should be, he should have been playing in the whole time or, or, or you know, been playing alongside Ozzy to, to better, but to have him there, I, I, I am very hopeful and, and feel, feel positive about the next step of his career as a regular center mid. Right on. Yeah. We'll talk about Dotson in a second and about who needs to step up this year. So, um, so let's talk formations. Uh, Minnesota, Adrian Heath prefers the 4-2-3-1. Uh, the question is, should they keep playing that, though, um, with the with the depth that they have right now? So, you know, projected starting 11, um, Adrian has pretty much said it's Tyler Miller's job to lose in goal. Um, there was a piece in the Pioneer Press. Andy Greeter had a, a friend of the pod, <clears throat> had a piece about their goalkeeping depth. And basically in that, Heath said it's Tyler Miller's job to lose. Uh, across the back line, and nothing's changed. Uh, Metnir, Debassi, Boxall, Gasper. Uh, Will Trapp will stay in um, in the midfield with Asani Dotson, and then Fragapane, Lude, uh, and Reynoso across the uh, Fragapane, Reynoso, Lude. I guess sorry in that order. And then you know the it's either Dunlady, Amaria, or, or Unu. Um, Unu has not been starting. It's been Dunlady. However, you know with Amaria coming in and scoring a goal, it would not surprise me if Amaria starts on Saturday. So my question is, and, and so actually I was looking at a stat. Um, Philadelphia, so Minnesota United is, uh, I think they return 
like the third or fourth most um or they're tied for they're tied for third uh in, with like the, the percentage of minutes returning from last year right so players who played minutes last year returning they're tied with philadelphia and a couple other teams like 84 percent of their minutes played last year are players that are on the team this year so obviously we lose ozzy he's the big one but he really didn't start playing regularly um until the end of the year um ethan finley obviously got some starts but was mostly playing as a as a you know uh, a super sub um coming in you know in the last 15 20 minutes running at players so this team has pretty much you know the the same starting 11 more or less um dots obviously played a lot in the starting 11 um they so but they're all one year older so you're, that defense is not getting any younger which you know Metnir and Debassi have had knocks uh, over the course of the last, you know, year or so. Um, so you worry about that. But, you know, on paper, that looks like a pretty good team, whether it's Donladi, Amaria, or Unu um, in, that, in that sort of that, you know, that striker role. Sure. I mean, there's definitely one of those three that I would prefer over the other two. Um, but I think that there's going to be opportunities to score. Unu, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's going to be opportunities to score i think with ray you know and there's no reason to think that he's gonna um drop off at all after having a stellar season last year um you know the question is can they finish right well right and that's going to be the big thing and i think donati has sort of shown that he can't or just you know whatever just doesn't have that killer instincts or or I don't know. I don't know. Um, Unu like felt felt hot and cold. Like felt like he was just you know one step away from it, everything clicking last year, but it just didn't. And I think that I mean I think I think if he doesn't start in Philly, uh, it won't be very long until Amaria is that starting striker. I think that there's you know he's like the way he's the one that got away, and to have him back now and. You know, we're going to we're going to really make a go of it. We got to make this thing work. <laughs> yeah. I have lamented before on this pod that Luis Amaria and Reynoso didn't get to play at the same time ever. And Reynoso really is missing that striker who not only can post up and, and hold up in, in the box, but who's mobile. You know, he he tries different things to confuse center backs and he doesn't just stay in one place and he's not easy to guard. He he'll drift left and then come back over to the right or um, go offside and, and, and get behind them. So they kind of ignore him and then come back onside. He, he does different little things that other of our strikers have not to get open, find space, find lanes. And so if they can improve that chemistry, as I know they've been trying all preseason to, you know, get that Reynoso to Amaria connection or Reynoso to Lude and, you know, one of our wings. And then, to, but like, if that starts clicking, you know, this is going to be a really exciting attack to watch. So we know, we know Heath prefers the four, two, three, one, obviously um, we have seen him run out uh, three, five, two before, um, when he's, you know, conceding matches to Sporting Kansas City in Kansas. Uh, and he's, showing he's, that he has no clue how to run a 3-5-2. He has, he has played um, a 4-3-3 uh, three, three on occasion, um, uh -huh. mostly when he's trying to sort of bunker and counter. Um, I, I think 
He played four through three uh, quite a bit against LAFC um, in their matches. Um, so he has, he can With some effect. He has played other formations. Um, he hasn't really shown an aptitude to change mid game, right? Which whether that is because he didn't have the talent to do it, um, but we have the talent to put out a four four two to get two of our strikers on the pitch at the same time. So I guess there's so two questions like, would you like like what what formation you know? Assuming we're we're chasing a game, um, we need to score for either to equalize or to you know it's it's you know one one or zero zero. Um, you know, is there another formation that you would like to see? What does it look like? Please don't tell me it's Fragapane and Lude um, tracking back as as wingbacks because that's not fucking happening. And and so that so that's one question. It's like if you given a magic wand and you can say, okay, we're gonna be able to, we're gonna practice this uh, other system that will be our basically our sort of like holy fuck, we need to score a goal, let's fucking go system. Um, and then question number two, can do we have any? And I know the answer to this one, so it's maybe, maybe it's a rhetorical question. Have any faith in Adrian Heath being able to do this and recognize <laughs> when it needs to happen and make the um, specific changes to make it happen? So MJ, um, I know you put a little bit of in the notes here, so I'll start with you. So, what would you like to see if we if we you know are able to have a sort of a change up system where we're looking to score a goal? And do you think Heath can actually do it? I actually- will actually do it. You you dropped Bruce's tweet in here about the four four two, and I actually one of the most exciting, surprising things from the preseason was to see Adrian Heath do a full formation change mid game. I know it's just preseason, trotting out Unu and Tani or Nu and Amaria or Anu and Dunlady as as a two forward set in a four four two, and. I'm thinking normally when I see the loons play a 4-4-2, that's just our default defense. We're in a 4-2-3-1, and then we lose the ball, and then we're trying to have our eight-person block, our two two rows of four in the back, and then Ray and our striker. Come. Yeah, Ray, Ray, Ray saying, fuck off, I'm not playing defense. <laughs> yeah, well, he, I think he tracked back. I'm not, back I'm not tracking problem. back. A, yeah. I think he tracked back. But, like, like we, we don't have Finley to, to track back now. So, like, like – Losing that sort of tenacity, like a Finley to come back and and really block shots and and track people down from behind. We don't have that. So I do like the idea of a 4-4-2. It does raise on who the second four are and who the two up top are. And without going into details on that mess, I'll just say I I like the idea that Heath brought a 4-4-2 in attack in preseason at least two times that i saw yeah rob i mean i am not a great knower of formations and all that all i know is that adrian heath has shown himself to be uh not a good match day tactician uh i don't have a lot of faith in him when it i i have i have a good amount of faith in him and and judge of talent uh but as far as implementing that talent and using it i he no, no. <laughs> you know what? I'm, you know, in 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 my zenness of trying to, you know, not react and stuff. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to, and this is gonna sound. I, I, I'm not kidnapped. Um, maybe I'm just punch drunk because I've been hanging out with my kid 
by myself for the last uh, three days. Um, I'm going to take Heath at his word, basically, more or less at his word that he just that he had, that he's I don't think he's actually said this out loud. But I, what I, this is what I imagine is like the thought process for Adrian Heath, which is weird because I'm trying to get into Adrian Heath's head, which I know is fucked up and, and weird and no one should ever go there. However, he just hasn't had the talent uh, to do the things that he wants to do. And this year, again, going back this year, he, I, he has no, he has no, he has no excuses anymore. Um, outside of like, you know, half of his attackers all getting injured at the same time. He has the players to bring in. He has, and we've never seen him do well with subs. I think that changes this year. I'm trying to be optimistic, I'm trying to be um, again, I, I swear to God, I'm not kidnapped. I'm not uh, being held, uh, uh, you know, hostage by anybody. Um, I'm being positive for, you know, for my own personal well-being. And I'm just going to, I want Adrian to like, you know, prove, you know, prove that he knows how to, to, to manage a, a good team. Um, Cause this is a good team uh, be above and beyond like what their, their just base talent level is base talent level. This is a middle, you know, four, you know, anywhere from a, a four to a seven seed, you know, four to a six seed just based on talent alone. Um, he has an opportunity, I think, to, to make a leap. And again, I, I, we, we talked when we talked about Nashville joining the Western Conference. Western Conference is tough. There's, gonna be, there's a lot of really good teams, uh, top to bottom, in the Western Conference. Um, and then, you know, then teams like DC United, who aren't great, um, have, you know, have some really good players who can score and can, and can steal a game or, or two, you know? So I, I want to give Heath the benefit of the doubt here and, and say that, you know, he will do a better job of understanding when he needs to make some changes. He will shift to that four four two. Um, in that case, you know, I could see you know trap coming out. Um, you know, maybe like a Joseph Rosales coming in, uh, or you know, Lude dropping um, a little further deep, and you know, someone like a you know Dunlady coming in with Amaria or Unu and Amaria and playing with the, that four four two. The four four two is is you know, there's good parts about it, but also. For the attacking talent we have, um, if we want to make straight like like for like subs, the four two three one probably makes more sense. And that obviously that's because that's the way Adrian Heath has built the roster, right? So he built a roster that can fit his the formation that he wants to play. Okay, um, all right, let's move on to some uh, some big questions. Did you guys see the uh, the quote? I think it was in the Star Tribune uh, where Adrian Heath said that he hasn't had a hug for like two years. Um, Oh, maybe that's man. why he just someone just needs to give Adrian Heath a hug, guys. The man's and love then, language is touch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So actually, legitimate big questions. Um, first one I have. We only have a couple. Um, who starts more matches as the Loons goalkeeper? And then second question to that is who finishes the season as the Loons keeper? So there's a article in the Pioneer Press I mentioned earlier. Um, Andy Greeter talking to the team, talking to Heath about the two goalkeepers. Um, obviously, you know, having two number ones on your roster is, is great in theory, um, but doesn't necessarily work um, because you, you really don't alternate unlike hockey where, you know, you can have two really good goalkeepers and kind of just alternate games or, you know, based on matchups, soccer goalkeeping is not, not, not like that at all. So you really kind of just ride one goalkeeper um, until they're hurt. So, we have a pretty good goalkeeper in Tyler Miller. That's that's Heath's mantra. That's Heath's mo right there. You ride your player yeah. till he's hurt. 
Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> he does that for not just goalkeepers, every position. Yeah, so you had Dane St. Clair who started the season last year, um, <clears throat> went 0, and 0 for 4. Uh, honestly, he he was not at fault for nine of the 10 goals that were allowed. Um, and even the one that he did give up, if I remember correctly, it was a game in Colorado and the field was wet. It was rainy and there was a, a, a crazy ball uh, came in that kind of squeaked through his um, through his uh, his hands. Um, so really not at fault, but they needed a change. Tyler Miller came in, played the rest of the season. Um, he tied uh, Vito Manone for the record for um, clean sheets with 11. And then he got COVID right before the playoff match. And so Dane St. Clair came in. And again, I don't think any again, of the goals that those goals that he allowed weren't his fault. Right. Exactly. I was just about to say that not his fault. Um, you know, so you got, you got to figure that Minnesota is going to trade one of those guys at some point this year. Um, I've heard you were just reading on Twitter. Uh, I think it was Matt, it was Matt Doyle or Andrew Weeby. One of the guys was basically like, Minnesota's asking price for Dane St. Clair is really, really steep. Mm-hmm. And he also is like, there are teams who should really, really should just pay whatever Minnesota United wants for Dane St. Clair. So um, I imagine we'll see one of them traded. Um, Tyler Miller, I think is his cap hit is like $400,000 or something like that. Dane St. Clair just signed a three-year contract. So he got a raise. Um, so yeah, who starts more matches as the Loons goalkeeper and then who finishes the season as the keeper? I would like, I mean, I, I, I think that Miller is going to start the season, uh, and I, I would like for us to to move on from Miller and ship him somewhere and give Dane St. Clair that starting job. That I I feel like he was really like you said he was really hard done uh, by the first four matches last year, and you know he had to he he basically had to do it um, as one one of the few things that I don't blame him for. Uh, but I, I hope that the Dane gets that starting job back uh, by the end of the season. Um, that's, that's my hope anyway. Uh, MJ. I agree with everything Rob just said. Tyler Miller starts the season. Unless we find a place to move him or St. Clair, mm-hmm. but like, unless we move Tyler Miller, he will play more games than St. Clair. But my preference is, that we invest in the future and not have this like well this is the year we got to win it with our veterans like play the kids for crying out loud yeah i mean and that is to there is the point i mean it depends on you know the hypothetical trade or move of dane st Clair. if that if that asking price is really steep or whatever and vancouver comes in or or you know somebody else comes in and you know, pays that or is able to to offer personnel to Matt to make that worth it, then maybe it does make sense. But I just, you know, based on the talent on the field, I would, I hope that Dane St. Clair stays and becomes our starting keeper. <clears throat> All right. So I think Eric Tyler Miller starts more matches as the Lids goalkeeper than any other uh, keeper on the roster. I think Eric Dick ends the season as the keeper. <laughs> I think I think St. Clair is getting traded um, or sold somewhere, maybe uh, sold somewhere in uh, Europe. Um, you know, mid in in the you know July window, um, the summer window, uh, and then uh, Tyler Miller gets injured again um, or gets COVID or something, and Eric Dick ends the season as our goalkeeper. So there you go. Uh, so our last big question is: uh, Who needs to step up this year? 
Um, I'll start because I, I'm, I'm just to say uh, Asani Dotson. Um, Rob, you alluded to it uh, him earlier when we were talking about the roster. And this is a stat from, uh, I believe, from Matt Doyle in his, um, in his basically like, you know, who's the, the player you're most interested in this year. Uh, in the 12 games that Asani Dotson started in central midfield for Minnesota last year, um, in that in the the two of the four two three one, so as the you know midfielders that um, they in the six, um, Minnesota went seven one and four, um, basically two one two point one points per game. If they did that for an entire season, they would win the shield most seasons. So this is the time for Asani Dotson to shine. If Asani Dotson starts anywhere but the eight for Minnesota United this season. Adrian Heath should be hung, uh, drawn and quartered immediately, like before the game even starts. If Asani Dawson's in the lineup and he's not starting as the eight, then yeah, Adrian Heath should be uh, drawn and quartered. That's my that's my stance. Love it. I'm sticking to it. So, uh, MJ, who do you got? Who needs to step up this year for Minnesota? One, I think Adrian Heath needs to step up. All those things that you're giving him the benefit of the doubt for, David he's going to rotate his players more because now he has more of his guys. He's not going to continue asking for two to three more players. Fuck. We know he is, but like that. I didn't say, I didn't say he wouldn't do that. I just said, no, no, but like, let's I'm being stupid, right? Like, let me be stupid. The, The two or three players that he asked for and that we, we got over the past two seasons are more of his type of guys than the type, than his guys that Rob alluded that, you know, you know, they've been his guys for a while now. It's him kind of doing the general manager thing, but like these guys seem to be more his type of guys. So, uh, you know, he needs to show that he can use this depth, this talent, these two to three or sometimes five more guys that we've, we, we have, or if you go back a couple seasons, more than that, but like he needs to show that he can use these guys. He can rotate these guys. He can sub these guys, not in the 83rd minute as Rob alluded to, like, but like, sub them at the 45th minute or the 60th minute and show that he can have these tactics of like, we're going to switch it up on you. You know, whether we're playing fucking Austin or we're playing LAFC, we're going to switch it up on you. So he needs to step it up this year. I I also think uh, Trap needs to show, I like what I saw in preseason. He did some hard fouls some hard tackles, kind of channeling his inner Aussie, but not really. I like seeing that from Trap. I want to see, the same way you said Dotson should be our starting number eight, I want to see Trap to be less the, the dynamic eight that he maybe used to be and less of a dynamic going forward six and more of a stay-at-home six. Um, I really want to see him use his passing skills to help the team attack but not in a way that fractures our defense i think i mean i I think both of those are really good shouts and i I think uh the heath is is a is a really good call mj um (laughs) i think i think amaria uh needs to needs to step up as it were um you know we saw him the beginning of 2020 looked really good for the couple matches that he played uh then everything shut down you know, I, I, I'm not sure how he played in Paraguay or in um, the club team that he played with last year. Um, but 
those those last few matches, the 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 end of the season um, with Minnesota United in 2020, he didn't. He just was always injured. He was hurt, and it never really clicked again. Uh, I want to see him get back to that. That I, I want 23 goals. I I, I want my goals. <laughs> and uh, I think I think he can do it. I mean, I won't step on the next over under. No, but that's that's a great that's a great segue. Uh, so we did you know we did some over unders uh, last year. I, I put a few in here, like only you know sort of four or so. Um, I was again, my brain is is basically fried, so I wasn't able to. I would normally would have sat down and probably had like fifteen of these. And um, but if you're a gambler, um, like uh, Rob and I are, over unders are, are pretty simple. Uh, it's basically you there's a number. Um, and you say whether you think the team, the, the person or the team or whatever is going to go over that number or under that number. So, um, so I'm making a couple adjustments, guys, in the documents. Uh, Amaria. So the first one we're going to start with Amaria, uh, 22 and a half goals is the over under. He obviously, he promised 25 when he, uh, signed in 2020, he got two plus one in MLS's back. So he only technically owes, um, Adrian Heath, 23, 22 goals, not 23. Um, so I set, we set the over under at 22 and a half goals. So what are you guys taking? You taking the over, you're taking the under, obviously I think the under would be, uh, at probably about minus 150, 180 probably. And then the over, you know, probably plus plus 175. There's a lot of things to take into consideration. You're like, will he be healthy? Will he keep him healthy? That sort of thing. Rob, uh, to answer your question of how he did last year, he played at uh, Universidad de Quito, and uh, he scored nine goals in 19 league games. Sure. So, 30, there's 34, 34. What's, and let's, let's yeah, say there's, all there's He's not going to play or start all 34, even if he is healthy. Hopefully. Let's say all, let's say all competitions. So, including the Open Cup. So, you know, they may, they, you, the team may make an Open Cup run. I'm, who knows? 22 and a half taking, goals over under. I'm still taking the under at 22 right. and a half. I'm taking, I'm taking, I'm taking the over. And I think that he, I, I think him and Joseph Martinez uh, race for the golden boot. I, I, I have, I have just, I think that he's going to win. That's that main striker job um, pretty early in the season. I think that he's going to put that to bed. And I, I think, I think he's going to, he's just going to light this league up. All right. Uh, I'll take the under on that one too. <clears throat> well, fuck you both. I think I think I, still I think like your scores... positive, Rob. I like the <laughs> I, positivity. I, I think he scores double digit goals. I think he gets like in like the the high teens. I think he scores 17, 18 goals, which may you know maybe enough for the golden boot. But I don't I don't I think twenty two and a half goals is a is a large is a large number. All right, second one. Uh, also also regarding strikers, Amaria, Unu, and Dunlady. Um, Let's, let's just say all strikers. Anybody who starts in the striker position for Minnesota United this year. Does it, 30, does that let's include Lude when, when he lines up there? If he, if, he starts, if he starts the match as the nine, then yes, it includes okay. Lude. So that, um, changes my, that changes the math on that. That changes my calculus. That's why I asked. So 30, 30 and a half goals. Um, obviously, Amari didn't score any goals for Minnesota United last year. He had his nine and 19, as MJ pointed out. Unu got seven last year. I don't remember any of those goals. I think I remember one of those goals, but <laughs> he, he scored the second seven. highest goal score behind Lud last year. Yep. Uh, Abu Dhanladi got one last year for, for Nashville. Um, 
And then obviously we have, we have Bongi, um, Robin Lude occasionally starts. I don't think Robin Lude, here's the thing, MJ. I don't think Robin Lude's going to start as the nine unless we have a very, unless we have a big injury crisis yeah. for this team. So basically it's Amaria Unu and Dunlady, um, with possibly Bongi, you know, maybe getting a game or two. Um, again, technically if Lude lines up there, you could say, you could say Lude. So our strikers over under 30 and a half goals, Rob, you said this changes your calculus. Uh, I'm still going to go over though. Okay. I mean, you went over on Amaria, so. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. I, mean, I think. Right. Um, MJ, uh, what do you got? Under? You know what? I'm going to go over on this. I think um, while Amaria doesn't get over the 22 and a half goals, I think between Onu and Dunlady and, you know, possibly even Bongi getting, you know, two or three in the Open Cup, I think. Um, I think we, I think the, our strikers hit over 30 and a half goals. Well, one of us is uh, going to be right about this. Well, yeah. For both of them. Usually how it works. So far. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right. Romain Metnier. Matches started 25. Uh, I'm going to take the over on this. I'm going to be okay. optimistic on, even though there was that one preseason game where he left early holding the back of his his uh, quad or his uh, thigh, like as if uh, it was a hamstring again. I'm going to believe the media reports that say, nah, he's good to go and it's fine and it wasn't it, it wasn't that. It was just precaution. So he, he did look fine. I mean, that was on the Sunday match. He did look fine on Saturday. Um, yeah. So, you know, so, for what it's uh, worth. As David already mentioned, there's 34 games in MLS. And so, yeah, I say, I say he's, Keith is not going to sub out that position. I'd like to see DJ Taylor um, or someone else at that right back position, give him a rest more often, but I don't think that's going to happen. So uh, 25 matches started for Mittenier, picked over. Yeah, Rob? I'm, I'm going with the under. I, I, I think that it's the year, like you said before, you know, he's a year older. I think uh, he's, he's, he's being asked to do too much. Um, and I think that he'll, he's just going to keep breaking down. It sucks. I really like him. I want him to be healthy. I, I want this to be an over. Um, but I think it's going to be under. Yeah, I think it's the under two. Um, I think with, uh, but you don't bring in, I mean, I, Odell Fisher is, is a very serviceable right back. I think um, DJ Taylor can play right back. I think with the, we said this, I think last year with, um, with uh, Yuka Ratala, like you don't bring in some guy and then not play him. And then he proceeded to bring in Yuka Ratala <laughs> and then not fucking play Yuka Ratala. So maybe, Maybe we're wrong. Maybe I'm again. I'm giving Heath the benefit of the doubt here that he will actually play DJ Taylor and O'Neill Fisher. O'Neill Fisher is an MLS veteran, so I could easily see him getting you know five to ten starts. Um, just just to give Metnier some rest, and then if you throw in any potential injuries for Metnier, I, I think this is the under two. So, all right, I threw one in uh, last minute here. Reynoso goals plus assists, nineteen point five. Last year he had. Five goals and four assists. The year before that, he only had two goals, but he had 12 assists um, in, in only 16 matches. Last year, he played 30 matches. Um, only four assists last year? Only four assists last year. Fuck yeah. so, this God damn. <laughs> but he created... He, here's the thing. He was probably, I think, according to, like, XG, you know, like, created, he was, like, one of the two or three best players in the league. Oh, sure. None of our guys could finish. So that's the, yeah, I'm saying goddamn because so like how fucking ineffective our, our offense or our, yeah. atta- our strikers were. I, so let me, st- let me, I'll start with this one. I think right now. So if our strikers 
can finish. Like we hope they can. Um, he's got 15 to 16 assists potentially in him easily. I mean, he scored, he got 12 in 2020 uh, in only 16 games, right? He was almost averaging, he was averaging like 0.75 assists per game uh, in 2020. So he could easily get 16 assists, I think this year. And then he just needs to score, you know, three or four set pieces. Um, I, I, this is, I, I think I probably, sh- I probably should set this at like 21.5. I think at 19.5, I think uh, you bang the over hard on this one. Banking on Minnesota United strikers being able to finish. The one problem or the two problems, yeah, banking on strikers being able to finish in two, that first season, the scouting report was not out on him. And so the, the hack of Reynoso strategy, every time he gets to surround him with three players, that wasn't happening. So I'm going to take the under on this. Yeah, I mean, I have to stay consistent, uh, you know, but I think I, I, and he's, it's going to be it, for, for every for the other ones to be overs. This has got to also be over. Um, and I think by a good amount, I think, you know, 60 goals for Minnesota United this year, according to Rob. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Positivity coming from out West. Love it. Um, okay. And then the last one, which is a nice segue into our, our, our conference, our final Western conference standings, uh, Minnesota United five and a half place. So basically um, do you think they'll finish? So over is they'll finish above five and a half place. So five or above under is six or below. So uh, MJ, why don't we start with you? Since you clarified my question, I am going to take the under. I knew I, you were. I, I knew when you raised your hands that you were going to ask that seven. question. So okay. Yeah. No, uh, you, Rob, you, you uh, channeled my my. You got in my brain and figured out my question. I'm going with the over. All right. I'm also taking the over, but just barely, as I'm uh, you know, leaking our, our spoiler for our Western Conference standings. All right. Let's do, let's do. Yeah. Let's do that quick. Um, we'll start from the bottom and. Uh, 14th place. There's again, there's 14 teams in each conference this year. Uh, we all have Houston as our, as our last place team. Correct. Yes, we do. <laughs> okay. Houston's fucking garbage, man. Uh, 13th place. I have RSL and then let's do, let's do this. I'll, I'll start and then MJ and then Rob. So uh, 13th place. I have RSL. San Jose earthquakes. Austin. All right. Uh, 12th place. I have the uh, Austin Aztecs. <laughs> I also have Austin FC. I got Dallas rounding out Houston or <laughs> rounding out the state of Texas. And basically in the same order they were last year too. So go figure. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, 11th place. I have the San Jose earthquakes that uh, shit show of a franchise. Uh, in 11th place, I have fake Salt Lake. <laughs> I also have uh, Salt Lake city. All right. 10th place FC Dallas. I uh, sadly also agree with David. Uh, FC Dallas is in depth. Uh, I'm I uh, I got Vancouver. All right, I have Vancouver in ninth. I have the Galaxy in ninth. I got San Jose in ninth. All right, a little uh, bit. Yeah, you're higher on San Jose. Uh, eighth place in the final non-playoff spot. I have the LA Galaxy in eighth. Um, I have Vancouver. I got Nashville. Just missing out. Wow, that's a that's a bold move. Uh, okay. So our playoff teams starting in seventh place. I have the Crapids falling to seventh place this year. I have the Portland Timbers. I also have the Portland Timbers. All right. Uh, six, I have LAFC. I have Minnesota United in sixth place. Uh, I got the Galaxy. All right. In fifth, I actually have the Loons finishing in fifth. So just, just above that over underline. 
I have Sporting Kansas City, despite all the losses of Alan Polito and Busio, et cetera. Uh, I also have Sporting Kansas City for the same reason. With those losses, they'll still be a playoff team, but they're going to take a hit. All right, I have Portland finishing in fourth. I have LAFC, or LAFC, as I like to call them. <laughs> uh, and that's where I have Minnesota United. All right. Uh, well, third, I, I have Nashville. I have Nashville finishing in, uh, in third place. I have the Crapids finishing in third place. I also have Colorado. All right, second place, I have Sporting Kansas City. I have Nashville. Maybe- uh, L- LAFC. And then uh, that leaves Seattle as being the team that we all think is going to win the Western Conference. So we're we're all we're in hundred percent agreement at the top and at the very very bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you know, M- MJ and I are, are much higher on Nashville than you are, Rob. Um, and I, just, uh, I, I think it's going to be tough for them. I think that their struggle to score goals. Um, I mean, I you know it's it it's weird to say that I think that they're not going to make the playoffs, but I also think that they're going to have a good season. Um, you know, I don't know if, if that, that uh, squares, but um, I just, I, I think that they're going to, ha- they, like you said earlier, I mean, I, I bounced them around in my, um, in my rankings from probably about fourth down to eighth. And I think that it's going to be like that all season. I think that those, you know, that bottom half of the playoffs, just like every year, it's going to be really tight, and I just think that they're going to lose out. Cool, MJ. Are there any teams in your, you know, eight through fourteen that you would you would not be surprised if they if they knocked off one of these teams and made the playoffs? Uh for sure. Uh, I would. So I had Vancouver in eighth and the Galaxy in ninth, and they both could easily make the playoffs. And I think I'm just going to expand what Rob just said. The same concept because I agree with you. The, that middle. That middle bottom half of the, but I would say anywhere from from third or second to to ninth is just a huge question mark this year. And I think unless people surprise me with a lot of consistency in being bad or good, we're going to see a huge shuffle or some question marks. It's going to be tight second through ninth through most of the year. Now, I could be wrong. You know, Colorado could have another great season and Seattle could be, and be those two top dogs way, way high above everybody else. But I, do, I think second through ninth is a huge jumble. Man, I would love to see San Jose, like, make a run. <laughs> just, just, yeah, because that team is so fucking insane. But um, well, honestly, or Almeida say, alone, it would be fun. Yeah, you say, like, like I, I mean, I think anywhere from – it, it would not surprise me if first and 10th or first and to 11th were separated by like less than like less than double digit points. Like if there's like a nine point separation between, you know, Seattle at the top and say San Jose in 11th place. Like, I think there's gonna be a lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parity in, um, in the Western conference. I think Seattle is, is a sort of a, they're at like the top tier. And then I think there's a lot of teams in like that sort of second tier, and then the third tier, which I think is not so far, like second tier being like Sporting Kansas City, Portland, you know, maybe LAFC. Um, and then the Ooh. third tier, maybe, maybe I think Loons are probably top of the third tier, but yeah. I, I don't think there's much, I don't think there's much of a, uh, of a difference between the second and the third tier. Right. I think right. those are, I think any of those teams can win. Um, we saw last year that even like 
road teams were winning. Like that was one of the, actually one of the things about MLS for a long time was that like home teams generally won, um, you know, and then you were hoping to get a draw. We actually were seeing a lot of like upsets on the road last year. So I think that is home field advantage is kind of like dissipated a little bit. I think there's certain stadiums, you know, for example, you know, Nissan park for Nashville. Um, I think Allianz is, is a, is Minnesota has a really good winning percentage at Allianz. There are certain stadiums where I think there's like a home field advantage. Um, but even those stadiums, like we go to Portland and we beat Portland in, in their stadium um, pretty consistently during the regular season. So um, I don't think the advantage is as, um, as robust as it used to be. So anybody can go and win. So with that, cool. with that in mind, um, do you, do you, so you think that the supporter shield comes out of the East again? I mean, there's, yeah, there's just, there's some really terrible teams in the Eastern conference <laughs> and one new one. That... Yeah. And, and Charlotte, <laughs> yeah, we're not even, not even, not even considering wait, Charlotte. Wait, wait. Um, you don't have Clit FC being the top of the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Man, I I think uh, FC Cincinnati is very excited for Clit FC to join the league. <laughs> they really just don't want that wooden spoon anymore. So, um, so yeah. So, and I we, as you you could probably if you listen to the podcast, we're playing all the teams in the Western Conference home and away. So we're not playing like Kansas City four fucking times like we normally do. Um, and then we're playing obviously you know eight teams on the Eastern on the other side, four home, four away. So that's how the um, schedule breaks down. So it's, it's a, it's a relatively balanced schedule in terms of like the teams you're playing in your own conference. Um, so, I mean, I could see, I could honestly, of all the teams in the Western conference, the only team I could see sort of running away from everybody and, and making a run at the shield is Seattle, which is as much depth right. as they have, especially with their attack. We didn't even talk about fucking new who, who shut down Mo Salah and during the Af, uh, AFCON final or AFCON semifinal um, that dude shut down, the best player in the world in my estimation. So um, in spite of also having good offense, they also have pretty good defense too. So I think Seattle is probably the only team in the Western conference that I would, I would put any money on um, without seeing any odds. I think if you had a gun to my head, if I had to pick a team from the Western conference it'd be Seattle. So. Uh, okay. Let's quickly talk about the game we have coming up on Saturday. Uh, we're playing the Philadelphia union in Philadelphia in Chester, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, at noon uh, Central Time, it's the first. Uh, is there is there a match on Friday? This might be the first match of the of the MLS season. Actually, I think it is. Philadelphia is uh, the favorite, minus one sixty. Minnesota United is plus four hundred. Um, a draw is plus two eighty. Uh, Philadelphia Union is coached by Jim Curtin. I believe this is like his eighth or ninth year uh, as the manager of Philadelphia. Uh, they lost a couple of pretty good players, Casper Prizelko. They uh, Prizbilko, They traded to the uh, Chicago Fire. Uh, we mentioned they traded uh, Jamero Montero to the Earthquakes. They did bring in uh, Julian uh, Carranza, a 21-year-old young DP who's on loan from Inter-Miami. And basically what they did, they traded a second-round draft pick for him. And because Philadelphia, I don't think, has ever taken a uh, player in the Super Draft, it was a pretty easy <laughs> pretty easy uh, move to make. Um, they also brought in uh, Michael Ure. Uh, Danish center forward. Um, he's going to be taking over basically Prisbilko's spot in terms of attack. Um, uh, he came as a $3 million transfer fee from uh, Bronby, uh, basically replacing Proboko. They also have one of the best goalkeepers in MLS and Andre Blake. Um, who else do we have to look at uh, or look out for on the Philadelphia Union? Anybody? Or I can say um, more. I can say more names. Saxon Aronson. Yep. Brother of Brandon Aronson. Um, 
Leon Flack is a former uh, FC St. Pauli uh, player. Um, came over to uh, Philadelphia last year, I believe, uh, was his first year with the team. Uh, former U.S. men's national team player Alejandro Bedoya still plays pretty regularly and is good. German left back Kai Wagner, who, if I remember right, just tore up like that left-hand side, our right-hand side when we played them last year. Yeah, and then in the midfield, they have um, um, uh, tall boys, Jacob Glasness and Jack Elliott, who are uh, both very tall, but also really good passers. This is a Philadelphia. They won the supporter shield two years ago, I believe uh, in the um, 2020 season. Uh, They finished third in the Eastern conference last year. Uh, They almost made it to the finals. um, Won a couple games in the playoffs. They're a really well-disciplined team. Um, uh, Jim Curtin plays a pretty consistent four, one, two, one, two with uh, yeah. It'll be uh, Ure um, and uh, Bedoya sort of, up top, uh, Paxton Harrison, Jack McGlynn, um, Glesnes and Elliott, uh, and those in the midfield spots, uh, more of a, it's kind of like a diamond basically, uh, you know, like a four, four, two diamond, but, um, how it's, you know, when he shows up tactically anyways, how, how do we approach this game? Um, you know, Minnesota United is the first game of the season. We've obviously only seen our team play two times, um, this year that we actually were able to watch games. So it's obviously early in the season. Philadelphia is also, they're not playing in champion and CONCACAF champions league this year. So this is also their you know first regular season game. Um, obviously we, we line up with our four, two, three, one, I guess the question is who do we want? Like, this may be the big question. We know what most of our starting lineup is. Who do we want to see up top? Do we want to see it's, I don't think it's going to be who knew um, because he hasn't really started at all. We want to see Dunlady because he's been the guy who's been getting most minutes with the starters, or do we mix it up and we go Amaria up, st- up top? I think we go Amaria just, you know, with his performance, you know, in his limited time um, uh, the other day. Uh, and I think that, you know, he sees, sees the, the desire in him and, and, you know, had, has had some success there. And so I think that he'll um, start this match in in that striker role this game could go like five different ways right like this game could be really close or philadelphia could blow us out of the water like i would not be surprised if philadelphia wins 4-1 on the other hand i wouldn't be surprised if the loons get the upset away from home in subaru park and we win 2-1 or something like that. It could be low scoring. It could be high scoring. I think on the striker question, I think Luis, Luis Amaria gets the start. For all the positive uh, rave reviews that Rob gave. Plus, Rob actually got to see him score a goal in person. So I think, you know. <laughs> I did. It was great. Actually, like, should carry some weight here. Well, and his movement off the ball, too, I think that was a big thing, um, yeah. is the way that, you know, the goal was nice, and it was a good goal, but the way that he was playing um, immediately when he came on the field, it felt different. Um, there was, you know, the ball was always kind of moving well in during during the match, uh, you know, until the final third, um, but it it was 
it just felt different once he was on the field. And I think that, um, you know, it was, no, it was noticeable enough that even me, an idiot, uh, recognized it. Who knew got him, got him the assist, though? Mm-hmm. Yes. That is there you true. go. All right. Well, so... I think that, yeah. Well, go ahead. No, I was, I mean, uh, I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think that, that who is, is most more likely to come off the bench. And I think that, um, Dunlady, I don't know. I feel bad because I'm so down on Dunlady. Uh, I, I have wanted him to be successful, but I just don't see it. And, uh, you know, that match in Portland, I think was just really like the nail in the coffin in my mind, um, for his ability with this team. Uh, all right. Well, let's start. Um, so how does it, how does this game go? Who wins? Uh, MJ, we'll start with you. Like I just said, this, this is really tough because it could go any number of ways, but I say, I say the loons lose three to one. All right, Rob. Well, looking at your betting lines here, uh, I don't know if I'm blown. Uh, I, I would, I would probably bet the draw, uh, but I think that the Philly will probably end up taking it it might be close uh i'm not sure that we get a goal maybe maybe one nothing maybe two one uh all right i am gonna be i'm gonna be a little more optimistic not so optimistic that i think we win this game um but uh that's what you know you can mute yourself <laughs> uh i think we, i think it's a draw i think it's like a one one or two two draw i think minnesota with the um the memories of last year of, you know, it, to be fair in that, like that first game against Seattle, we outplayed Seattle and then they just, they just scored the goals and we didn't score. Um, I think Minnesota has that in the back of their minds. They don't want to start off the same way. Um, and maybe that, you know, maybe that ends up being, you know, MJ, their, their downfall and they lose three or four to one. I think this is like a one, one or two, two draw. And this is a, a really entertaining game basically. So, all right, what's uh let's finish up with some world soccer stuff. Um, and start with the EPL because we have some EPL fans here. Uh, did you guys watch the uh, Spurs City match on? Uh, oh, it was a fucking amazing game. So City lose. 90, uh, 90 plus fifth minute, though. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. City lose uh, at home to Tottenham, uh, three to two. Liverpool Were you win. At the Blackheart for this game. No, because uh, I I'd gone in, I'd gone home and then I found out my, you know, my son was sick. So I, I couldn't go back. So, um, but Liverpool won. They had to come from behind at home at Anfield to beat Norwich, which is a, a little a little depressing. And uh, now Liverpool is only six points back of uh, Man City with a game in hand, a game that they actually play on Wednesday against Leeds uh, at Anfield. Um, so EPL title race back on. Liverpool goes to uh, the Etihad in April. Um, yeah, these and both these teams are so far ahead of, of even like the third place Chelsea team. I think we're I think Liverpool is seven points clear of Chelsea with a game in hand um, who Chelsea are seven points clear of at least seven points clear of the team in fourth place, which I think is Man U at this point. Um, so it's really a, a, you know, a EPL title race. And then hopefully, um, you know, some, I think there's going to be actually some really great uh, matches between uh, basically third through or fourth through eighth. Uh, Wolverhampton um, had a really great uh, match this weekend. So but I will defer to Chelsea's you guys. Only seven points behind you, man. They are. Um, 
yeah, I'm not worried about Chelsea. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm not worried about Thomas Tuchel. Um, and we play Chelsea in the uh, EFL Cup final on Sunday, actually, as a matter of fact, which I will be at the Blackheart to watch that match. Uh, I think it's 1030. Two um, teams I just like to both lose. Maybe the Meteor will come, MJ. I always root for the Meteor sometimes. And I don't, I don't hate, I don't hate Chelsea that badly. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll see, I'll see the floor if you guys want to talk Everton for a minute. Uh, what a mess is what I want to say, but I mean, I will say that Lampard is an improvement over Rafa Benitez, but it's still very much a mess. I feel like every other week, it's it's so every like he it's like Jekyll and Hyde. Like one week the team looks fucking great, and the next week they look like a goddamn shit show. Um, and I feel like that's a season for us, right? First half season we might look great, like last year, and second half of the season we look horrible, you know, or. I, I think that's just part of the Everton identity at this point is Jekyll and Hyde. Um, it's it's weird that it's every other game though. Like I could see like a run of like, like run of three to five games, but it seems like every every other week it's like well either Everton looked great or holy shit man Everton looks like they're going to get relegated. Rob, do you have any opinions on the the Vanderbeek or uh, Deli Ali transfers? Uh, no. Okay. Frank Lampard is the manager now. <laughs> yeah i mean i, I like you, you really I, have checked out a, a, i really a, have checked out on yeah, okay. everton and and the epl um i I'm, I'm sorry to say i'm not sorry to say because the bundesliga is fucking on it's just so much fun well, here for we we really because they were one of the few leagues playing last year uh we really hyped the bundesliga and again you get to see more U.S. men's national team players. Absolutely. And number two, uh, this is something my friend from Berlin taught me, is it is more tactical and less technical, meaning you don't have the technical skilled players that can take on two or three players and with their technical skill, just split sure. split double teams and what else not and score these amazing goals from certain distances. So it is more reliant on team play. More people share the ball. It's more about a little bit more about X's and O's. And I like that. Yeah. And that's uh, really why Union Berlin is doing well is because they do a lot yeah. of those X's and O's things really well. Well, doing... let's, I say, let's, let's talk Union Berlin, Rob. I mean, this is, well, a, you know, you're, you, you've, again, you've abandoned, um, abandoned yes. Everton. You've jumped ship. Um, I don't blame you, buddy. I, it's, I totally understand. Well, of course you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you've, you've um, embraced, and I, and I like, I actually, and I like this Union Berlin side a lot too. I know MJ's a fan. Um, obviously, they're they're my favorite team in the Bundesliga right now. Um, obviously, when FC St. Pauli might change next year, if they if they, if the they get calls coming up, FC St. Pauli. Uh, oh yeah, the full calls coming up. Yeah, we have that's right. We can talk about that in a second. Um, sure, FC St. Pauli that, has, the match has, coming up has looked like shit the last, and so they're 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 yeah. very real well, possibility of not going up. But unfortunately, talk, talk a little about Union Berlin. Union Berlin, so um, transfer deadline day uh, got a, uh, a, a midnight heist for our talisman, Max Cruza, uh, who was purchased by his former club, uh, Wolfsburg. And so he's back there. And since he's moved, we played three matches, um, lost all of them, have not scored a goal. Uh, let me let me see. So we played Augsburg uh, that first next match, uh, lost two nothing. Uh, Augsburg, a likely 
well, they're in the relegation fight right now, right? Currently in the 16th spot, which would put them in the relegation playoff with the third place team from Bundesliga 2. Uh, then played Dortmund, lost 3 nothing. you know, probably should have, shouldn't have been as bad of a result, but uh, they got some nice goals there. And then we went and lost to Armenia Bielefeld, another, uh, you know, recently promoted. Yes. Embarrassing. Um, Embarrassing. Yeah. So really have not found our footing since Max Cruza left. Um, Taiwo Awoni, uh, our, you know, who at the beginning of the season, started the season great, scoring, scoring goals, um, and has gone cold, went to AFCON for Nigeria, played well for them there. Um, and then since his return, hasn't really done a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little rocky there. They, you know, were at a height of, they were sitting in fourth, um, not too long ago. They're down to ninth. Um, those, those European spots, it's all really tight right now. Uh, so, you know, might be able to bounce back up, but we've fallen below Mainz and Köln and, uh, Freiburg, um, teams that I feel like, you know, we might be able to be above. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the league is wrapped up, but that, there's that nil-nil still... nil home draw to Freiburg also was just like, yeah, why? Yeah, the offense, uh, similar to another team that we all root for, uh, has just gone dark. Um, <laughs> and they're they're kind of struggling right now to find their footing. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully that'll change soon. There's, there's some, you know, their, their schedule coming up, isn't going to really do them a lot of favors. Um, they play Mainz, but then, you know, I'm looking at the schedule right now, the, the Pokal against, uh, St. Pauli is March 1st. And then after that is Wolfsburg, Stuttgart and Bayern Munich. So it's, you know, some tough, tough matches coming up. Um. But I, it, it, the season has still gone really well. It's still been a successful year. I think that they'll still fight for that final European spot. Not sure they'll get it, but I'm not sure that it really matters. I think maybe it'd be better to not get it, yeah. um, reload, and really go for it next year. Yeah. I completely agree that with the lack of depth on this squad or some of the injuries, it would be beneficial to have a season not in Europe. Um, Absolutely. The the Europe Europa Conference League, as several of us predicted, uh, just does you no favors. You're you're paying you're playing extra extra matches in an extra tournament midweek, and unlike Champions League, it's on Thursday, so that's even closer to your Saturday or right. Sunday. It was fun, you know. There there were some some nice matches. Um, definitely got one of the low points of the season for the team. Um, by one of their fans uh, making Nazi salutes at uh, Tel Aviv supporters in Germany, um, which was obviously awful. Uh, and from what I've seen, there hasn't been a lot of blowback uh, from the club on that. There hasn't, you know, that that supporter wasn't reprimanded or punished that I've seen in any way. So the, that it was a black mark on the team from the conference league. Um, and so, yeah, maybe, maybe not being in Europe would be good. 
All right. Um, if you want to watch that FC St. Pauli Union Berlin Pokal match, uh, which is the uh, German equivalent of the Open Cup, basically, um, <clears throat> uh, it's Tuesday, March first. So not this coming, not not t- today when you're listening to this, or 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 you know the previous day when you're listening to this. Um, next Tuesday, the March March first, one forty five p.m. I believe that one's probably going to be on ESPN Plus. So uh, it will be on at the Blackheart for sure. Um, to watch that match if you are in the cities and want to see FC St. Pauli, hang out with uh, the cool folks who support St. Pauli uh, or also the cool folks who support Union Berlin. Although there's um, one, there's, I know there's, yeah, there's, I know there's a, a couple of Union Berlin fans who have come into the, into the black heart before, but I haven't seen them in a while. So um, above and beyond you, Rob, I know you used to come in to watch Union, but uh, there's a, there are a couple others in the cities. So maybe they'll come in for that match. So all right, MJ. Um, this is a long podcast, so very quick women's tourney updates, please. Uh, Tournoi de France. Uh, the table now sits as we predicted: France in first, Netherlands in second, Brazil in third, and Finland last. Uh, all I'll say about the matches is that in France versus Brazil, uh, PSG striker uh, Marie Antoinette Catoto scores a brace and puts them ahead of Brazil two to one. In the Algarve Cup, only thing I'll mention is that in addition to Sweden, Norway, Italian, Portland, uh, Denmark played one game and then has to withdraw due to four COVID cases. So they're out. So that's down to a four team. The Algarve Cup announced that in place of the Denver match, they will add a third place game just because they got the field space and the time. In the Arnold Cup Club, the Arnold Clark Cup in England, uh, Everyone on Thursday drew 1-1, and then on Sunday, another draw, England to Spain, nil-nil, and then Canada finally gets a win over Germany, which I consider an upset in Europe. Uh, Former Bordeaux, now Angel City center back, uh, Vanessa Gilles, uh, scores a great goal from uh, Janine Becky corner kick, and then... Maybe three minutes later, Jill does a handball on a Lena McGull shot and no PK was awarded. Uh, I will say that Jill actually had several other amazing block shots and uh, the Canadian goalkeeper whose name is escaping me, I played really well too, but uh, that was definitely an upset. Uh, finally, She Believes Cup, the one that you want to hear about, uh, USA draws Czech Republic nil-nil in an embarrassing game. Uh, Bara uh, Votikova, who is now the goalkeeper at at uh, Paris Saint-Germain, <laughs> uh, she stood on her head and played fucking amazing. And then they finally get a win over New Zealand, including a player for Liverpool who had three own goals. Yeah, <clears throat> Michaela Moore. Um had a perfect flawless own goal hat trick, which is, I don't think has ever happened. I don't know if it's a, if a perfect flawless hat trick has ever happened. Um, so a perfect hat trick is a one with your head, one with your right foot or leg and one with your left foot or leg. So uh, her, the first one was, uh, I believe on off of her right. The second one was off of her face. It was off of her head. She didn't even see it coming. It went off her face basically. And the third one, I believe, was off of her left leg, trying to clear it. And she and, and just she literally perfect uh, cross 
uh, from Midge Purse, and then she just she just like tapped it in. Uh, the flawless part is that all three goals happened in the same half with no goals in between uh, from either team. So that's what that's what a flawless hat trick is. A perfect hat trick is like I said head foot head left foot right foot. Um, Brutal. So again, a perfect flawless own goal hat trick. She was subbed off with like three minutes left in the first half. Like she didn't even get to halftime. She was. I felt like, so bad for her. Like Michaela Moore. Like so many people have played with her or against her and know her. And she's a good player for Liverpool and and all the Liverpool uh, teammates and, and and other 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 uh, you know women players just came to her defense and like listen like this is not yeah and hopefully at some point. In, her, in the future, she'll be able to laugh at this amazing feat that she did because it's it's amazing what happened. It's just it's also like in the moment you gotta just be you you know it's it's saving fuck, the you know. jock levels of like that is your that is your it legacy is, but now. Like, <laughs> but imagine doing it three times and and it happened like the first two happened within like two minutes of one another like sure like two and a half minutes and then the next one was like ten minutes later so. It was it it was it was kind of amazing that it happened, um, and you know, Liverpool is kind of is running away with the the second division and the women uh, the in England they're like they're I think only a w- two or WSL three, two WSL two um, I believe they're like two or three wins away from being um, you know winning the promotion spot so they'll be back in the WSL next year which will be great for for them great for all the other teams in that league it's Liverpool playing up there is, is always great. Um, they finally, I think they're finally investing in the women's team. They brought in Katie Stengel, um, who American soccer player. So they're actually investing some resources. Uh, FSG finally is. Um, but yeah, it, it sucks for Michaela Moore. But um, yeah, <laughs> it was it was it was kind of fucking funny to watch. Like in a, like a shot, like not even a shot in front of it. Just like holy shit, this is actually happening. In, uh, in, in more upbeat news about these matches, uh, I see it in the notes, uh, Sofia Huerta's name a couple times, who has been playing out of her mind. And uh, in a very smart bit of business, the NWSL team that I am now a supporter of, OL Reign, uh, just inked her to a three-year extension. So she's got nice. a, a nice, nice little uh, uh, contract out of that. I mean, she's just very good anyway. Yeah, she plays on the back line, right? Mm-hmm. And she's, she's a winger. good going both directions. Like, yeah. Both on defense and, and on the attack. And uh, I was really impressed that on both of the goals that Minnesota, or sorry, the United, the United States scored, her, ball, her balls in were just really, really accurate. Yeah. I, I could not believe that the distance she was somewhere in the midfield, not even in the attacking third, maybe in the attacking like two fifths or something. Anyway, she- you know, it's it's wild that the, you know the U.S. women's national team has just so much talent that somebody like Sofia Huerta can be like not overlooked, but just kind of a a, a bit player um, with the amount of talent that she has, and uh, I'm I'm really excited. You know, having watched her last season. Uh, out here and like to be able to continue watching her is uh, really exciting. I'm really happy about it. If you haven't watched the highlights, like yeah, the three own goals are kind of comical, but like that that Huerta to Hatch header, that ball in, like watch it for that. That is amazing goal. And the ball in was also from Huerta it was spot on. Uh, this all wraps up on Wednesday. 
we don't care about the New Zealand versus Czech Republic game. We care about the USA versus Iceland. Iceland, because they didn't draw Czech Republic, are sitting in first place at six points. U.S. are in second with four points. So a U.S. win would give them seven points and win the tournament. I don't know if that's really important for them. I think it's important for some fans. I think Vlatko just wants to see how this next group of women can gel and play together. It is on Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central and ESPN, right? I, be I believe it's ESPN, yeah. yeah. Or ESPN or ESPN2. So, yeah. all right. Um, well, <laughs> that wraps it up this three, almost three hour long podcast. Um, if you stuck around to the very end, thank you so much. Um, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can always go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Dave's I know. Um, you can find the podcast generally at TDIKMN. Rob, uh, give everybody your Twitter handle again one more time. Uh, Robble Rouser. All one word. R-O-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-E-R. You can find me at Texas Zeller. MJ is at MJ Matsui. And Jess is always at Jessica1440839 or two. We've been the days you know. This is the days I know. And work it out Cause we both know We can't do nothing at all Oh, oh, yeah Oh, 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 oh. We did we, we do our thing, son Long as you do yours Land here become feet, cunt Yeah uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son Through the act we attract two Hope to reach one uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing Do it with. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be we, done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all know we can't do nothing at all. Nah, yo, I can't do nothing at all. Check it out, guys. GT, he don't do nothing at all.